Yo, excuse me, Mr. Lynn. Yeah. Have you ever seen a show with a couple on the mic with bad content and it don't come out right? We tight. They ain't never tight. And that's not polite. Am I lying? No, you're quite right. Well, tonight on this very mic, you're about to hear we, we swear, swear the, the best podcast of the year. So, so. Here we go. Scream Bravo. Also, also if you, you didn't, didn't know, this is our show. Hey, I like that. Welcome, welcome, welcome to America 20 to Life. I'm your host, Mike Lynn, here with my beautiful wife and co-host, Erica Lynn. What's up, babe? What's up? It's our Monday show. Uh, we are continuing with our candidate series. Tonight we have Kathy Dunbar, a city councilwoman at large, on the show. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty interesting conversation. Mayoral candidate. Yeah, mayoral candidate running for the mayor of City of Lansing, um, 16 years on council, um, actually one of the most, one of the, I think probably the first time I recognized who she was, was a defund police resolution <laughs> that came through with Brandon Betts. Again, I'm new to the political world, although I know a lot that's going on right now. It was I have not, short time. yeah, I've not really paid a whole lot of attention to what goes on in politics up until very, very, very recently. So, um, I was much like most of the city of Lansing, especially my community, uh, where I just, I felt like I don't. I don't deal in politics. I would say things like that just because I didn't understand like the power of politics and what issues that we have today that, you know, hinge off of politics and policy that has been in place for years and things that are trying to be broken down. And how do you do that and all of that type of thing? So as I learned, um, you know, that process, I actually did end up meeting Kathy through the defund police with Brandon Betts that she was she was doing. So uh, we kind of got, I don't know, introduced at that point. And then since then, uh, we've been watching her on council, um, you know, and the whole council kind of sitting dormant for a little bit. So I think we'll have some conversation good to some good conversation anyways today uh, surrounding that and how that is going for her on council while running for mayor. Uh, some other obvious situations that are that are elephants in the room we're going to speak on. Um, but outside of that, anything else? About it. We like to get to know the candidates a little bit better. I think that's a big goal of ours in these conversations. Um, we kind of hear the, the same things, like everybody gets asked the same questions and they get their same like 30 to 60 seconds to three minutes to kind of answer yeah. these quick things. And it's kind of all the same, but our goal with these was really to kind of get to know them on a more complex level. Right. Like what led them to, who the, are you? you know, yeah. Who are you? What led you to the position you're in? And, yeah. You know, why do you feel the way you do? What's your plot? Why, why this platform? I think that's so important though. It's like, who are you? Why are you, yo, public servants? I mean, being a public servant is such a thankless job. Honestly, like I, I, I feel bad for them having to deal with people like me because <laughs> you get reamed, you get reamed bad. constantly, you know? And it's like, you only really step to the plate, especially a regular individual. You know, you step to the plate because you want to do something different or something better. Um, some, you know, you want. I think they all do at some point in time. I think that what happens is as you get into the room that you've been begging to get into, life changes. You know, you start to get into the in club or you get invited to the, you know, to the tables that you weren't ever invited to before. And you start to realize that, wow, if I just play this game a little bit. You know, I can be, I can be, I can benefit myself, I, you know, and I think that's where people change right then at that moment. They're like, 
all right, I came in here with, with blaze of glory and I'm going to change the world. And then you get in here and first of all, you realize how hard it is. You realize this ain't nothing that's going to happen overnight. There's a lot of powerful players that you may not have even have known. There are elected officials and so on and so forth. And I think the people kind of just think like, you know, once you get in there and you see that there ain't really no movement, you know, you might just suck into yourself. Like, well, how can I benefit from myself? I don't think I would do that, but I think people do do that, you know, um, and that's yeah. the concern that I always have when I'm talking to candidates is like, what is the reason why you want to do this? You know what I'm saying? Like there's some people that are like career politicians and they got into the game just to be a politician, not. Yeah, that's really... more or less what I was going to I was yeah. trying to get into. I think for the most part, what you're saying is true. But in my personal opinion, I think there's a few that definitely get into certain seats coming from a certain like certain boards. And there's kind of like this pathway to greener pastures, I feel yeah. like. So I think for, for well, we some, know that there know. Uh, we know there's some groups in our in our city council and our representative seats and commissioners that that is kind of their goal is to move on. It's not Which about that job. No, it's, it's not, not a bad, bad thing, thing at all. That's not a bad thing. Unless you're you unless you're not it. moving on issues because yeah. you're nervous about making waves or you're scared that you won't get that next position. So you're moving. That's the politics part of it. That's where the politics, in my opinion, comes in. Mm -hmm is like you always have to navigate very carefully. In the way Mike Lynn navigates, I could never be a politician that's going to be a career politician. Unless I was going to go for the top spot like Trump did and just say, <laughs> all right, I'm going all for broke one time. I'm just going to be the asshole, the maniac that I usually am, and I'm just going to go for broke. Unless I was to do something like that, I don't think that you know there's, there's a way that I could be in politics because I don't play the game. I don't play the game. I don't, I don't go against my morals. I don't go against like the people. And there's not too many people in politics that can rock that way and, and continue to keep a job, you know. And it seemed like if you was for the people that it would be a simple process, like people would see that you're for them and then they would vote you in and it wouldn't be no problem. But the problem is a lot of times you have to conjoin forces like you have to join forces in order to be able to move forward. And, you know, if if another person is playing that game and they're not they're not joining forces with you, then it's kind of hard to get in. For instance, Andy Shore getting um, uh, Gretchen Whitmer's endorsement. Like, why would she why would she do that? Like, he hasn't shown anything to show that he's the best for the job. And 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 we hadn't even gotten through the I don't know. We hadn't even gotten through the deadline yet. No, the deadline. Like and you already. Yeah. You haven't seen what the other candidates have to say. That's that's what I'm talking about. Andy Shore has basically shown the 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 powers that be that he's willing to do whatever it is he needs to do to move forward and so that means i'll do for you do for you whatever you whatever favors the question I need. is is like who is he like who's he who's controlling it? yeah yeah who's controlling <laughs> that's it? the scary part for us is like Ooh, so speaking of pandering speaking of pandering there was an issue that happened over the weekend and i, I didn't think it was an issue but it turned out to be something and i'm gonna talk about it was propaganda being pandian yeah propaganda had plenty of photo opportunities this weekend he picked some very I feel like there's like a board on his wall and it's like, it's like, a, I don't know, like a bingo wall. And it's like, it's who a can, I, yeah, a wish list. I need to get a picture with this person because that person has a wave and it's, and it's targeted the correct people. And if I get a, if I get a picture with that person, then that wave will in turn, turn for me too. You know what I'm saying? And so it's really, it's really sad because it's what I keep talking about, about dividing the black community you know, in this way, you got this whole part of the black community that's demanding his resignation that actually knows he's harmful and hurtful and he's constantly harming, 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 harming. And then you have this black community that doesn't care, ultimately. 
uh, you know, they care enough to say in a dark room that, yeah, I don't, I don't really like him either, or I don't think he has any vision. But then we'll be posted up with him, you know, in the broader scope of the optics of it and showing the whole world. It's like they believe their vote is worth 100,000 votes in itself, meaning that I'm not going to vote for him. I swear to you, I'm not going to vote for him. But then stand up in a picture with your arm around him and showing everybody who watches you and idolizes what you're doing that you're okay with this person. That optics right there is not to be overlooked. And I think people overlook that too much. That optics is way more important than your personal vote. Like, I think I think the world needs to know that you're that optics. Were you standing up with somebody who was hurtful, harmful? Remember when Kanye West went down and, and stood with Trump and, you know, said he was going to wear the hat and all that. That's that's all. That's all. That's all electability electability politics. That's like my electability from the black community is high because look at Kanye. He came and sat. Now, there was a fatal flaw there in, in Trump because he didn't realize that Kanye West has no um you know, has no credence with the black community. He's lost that a long time ago, but that was what the tactic was. And so um, I posted a picture on, I believe it was Friday. Uh, I woke up and maybe it was Saturday. It was Saturday. I posted a picture and um, actually I, you know, I did my, my daily go through and Andy popped up my Facebook and Andy popped up on my Facebook at an event. It was one of the pop-ups downtown. The uh, I don't know what the event is actually called, and I'm not necessarily this is not this this conversation is not necessarily about this person, as much as it is about the person who inserted themselves into this picture. Um, and I seen this picture of this this person, and I was like, "Wow, he got his picture." I even said it on the comment on that picture. I said, "Wow, he got his picture," you know. And so I posted the picture and I put it on my Facebook page and all it said was, I'm just going to leave this here. I didn't I didn't put no comments on it. I didn't say nothing about nobody. I didn't draw nobody's attention to the fact. Just left the picture there. It's a picture that they took, picture Andy Shore posted on his Facebook page. And I just shared it to my page and said, I'm going to leave this here. Yo, the the amount of. The amount of black people, elders and not just elders, but black folks who I've already kind of put into this into this box of people who don't care anyway, lost their mind. How dare you put this black woman out here in this situation, this, that, the other. And all I could think while they saying this to me is, did I put her out there? Because I didn't say nothing about this person. I didn't say nothing about her. I didn't say that I didn't I didn't agree with her. I didn't say that I don't like her. I didn't say none of those things. I just put a picture out the context you designed. In your mind, because you've seen her standing with Andy Shore, and you know what that means. So when everybody kept texting me, and I shouldn't say nobody, everybody kept texting me, because I had more people text me in, in reassurance that keep doing what you're doing. You, make sure you call it out. Well, it wasn't the I, first time you'd ever called Andy out for that behavior. Yeah, it's, it was Andy. It wasn't It wasn't necessarily <laughs> the person that took the that picture. All the time. I don't believe that this person called him up and said, hey, photo op, come get it. We know this is his goal. His goal is to be pictured with people. So you got to know in your mind what the optics are if you do it. If you do it, you have to understand that people are going to have a feeling about this. That man just gassed our kids downtown literally over the summer last year, gassed them while they was on their knees. So uh, this man hit a murder inside the jail and then walked with the NAACP and took a nail on the stair or took a knee on the stairs of the Capitol and tried to lie to the whole community. So you have to understand that if you stand with this man in the picture, I'm coming for you. He has eight racial discrimination lawsuits. Oh, I him. forgot about that. He just so happens to have eight racial discrimination lawsuits against him like, as well. Wait a 
all of this is going on. Right he's lied and lied and lied and lied. He's pandered, 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 pandered. Nobody in this whole city that's anywhere near downtown does not know who Andy is and what it means to be standing in a picture with him. That's the reason why y'all got so upset about it, because y'all know what it means. You just don't want me to say nothing about it. That's it. You don't want me to say nothing about it. So I got I didn't get calls from these people necessarily. One person got on the comment section and tried to tell me how great of a person this person was that took a picture with Andy. And I never said that person wasn't a great person. I didn't say anything, actually. Y'all got in there and went with the context. I didn't give anything other than I'm going to sit this right here. And I let y'all who know the issue do the damage. I didn't do anything. Can I just say something? Please though? do. I think that what really struck me, and because and it was like, I, I was perplexed. I was like, wow, I, I didn't expect that. Because again, I was like, this wasn't out of the ordinary at all to be calling out Andy for his bullshit. I've been doing it for a year he now. He panders, and, and we're always like, here he goes again, pandering. Um, but what really struck me is if you got upset at feeling like it was being pointed out that someone was being pictured with him, what that tells me is that you do know, you know, you know, all of the negative things associated with propaganda. And that really struck me. I'm like, hmm, a lot more people than I thought really, truly know how badly he has damaged our city because that wouldn't have meant anything except for the one but one person had no clue <laughs> like what it was about at yeah, all yeah it was like is this so his like, girlfriend i was like ah nah so like that those people yes that's different because they truly are like i, I don't get but it. that's the danger of it that person has his own influence the person who had no idea who the person was in the picture with andy that had like, no yeah. idea who that person was or anything else and asked the question and that's important because think about what he said is that his girlfriend Think about and how good that could be. For think about the Andy conversation that he could have been having with people uh, showing that picture. Like, yo, look at look at it. little Andy, white dude, got this, got this, uh, you know, this, uh, this black woman with him, yada, yada, yada. Like, oh, he must be cool. He got a black wife. This is how dangerous the optics of things are. This is why we have to be very protective of our influence when we put it out there that way. If I'm going to stand with you after all of that stuff you did, then I'm, I got to expect that somebody's going to say something about it. But people don't. People don't like how many people inbox me to tell me, get him, get him, get him. But then you had people. This is this is where this is what draw. This is what drew me in to. This is where I say I put these certain people in a box. These are the people who will watch you. You know, everybody talks about when George Floyd had a knee on his neck and was getting killed. Like they would have jumped in. Right. I would have jumped in. I would have made sure it didn't happen. Bullshit. Stop that. No, you wouldn't have because half of y'all won't jump in right now. Y'all won't jump in right now and ain't nobody got a knee on nobody's neck and killing them, actually killing them. And y'all won't jump in. So I don't want to really hear that. Um, but I put these people in a box of people who just are worried about capitalism. They're, they're just worried about how, how their money shakes out, if they can get benefit and so on and so forth. They're willing to look over all the young black kids being killed in the streets. They're willing to look over uh, Anthony Hulon's murder in the jail. They're willing to look over the fact that this man literally told them to gas some kids on their knees. Like They'll look over all of that. So I don't really care about their opinion, but this is what killed me. After I posted that picture with nothing other than saying, I'm going to leave this here, it went on this, this person got a wave. See, I can make you famous by putting you on this show. This is why I say, hope to talk to you and not about you, because I can make you famous. Nobody cared to celebrate this person until I posted that picture. And then it was like three people who have a lot of influence in this city wanted to go on this, this, this tangent of how great this person was, as if it was combating what I said. I didn't say the person wasn't great. Celebrate them. They should be celebrated. And you can do all of those things without standing up in a picture with Andy Shore. That's where I'm at with it. You can do all of the greatness in the world like I do. 
I do a lot of great things for the city. I don't brag about it all the time, but I'm always my foot in something good for the city. So ultimately, you can do all of that stuff without ever standing with Andy Shore. Um, you know, one of our state representatives, Sarah Anthony, who I, I care for dearly. I like I like Sarah Anthony. Uh, I'm not always happy with the way that she moves, but I, I like her. I don't think she's a bad person by any means whatsoever. Um, but I've, I've not seen her in no pictures with Andy Shore. So she can do a whole lot of good stuff from a legislative position is right next to Andy Shore and doesn't have to be pictured with him. Because they know as soon as you walk up next to me and try to get a hug and say, hey, let me just get this selfie. They like, whoa, whoa, I'm going to tell you something that's funny about that. You know how much this person knows that pictures are bad? Sarah, anyways, because when I escorted her at the Capitol after we were done, I said to her, hey, can we get a picture, all of us together? And she said, really? You really want a picture? I was like, yeah, why wouldn't I? It wasn't for my sense of being, I didn't think about nothing bad. I just thought like, let's, let's take a picture of us. Really? Do you really think you don't like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think it's a good idea. Like we shouldn't probably take a picture. People know and understand the optics of things. The problem is like you told me, nobody is going to care if they like the person, they're not going to say anything's wrong with it. And they'll actually just clamor into that person and like be mad at you for pointing out their bad reaction. behavior. It's the yeah. it's bad behavior. This is why, especially in the black community, it's the reason why a lot of things go on. You always tell me about like the uncle who molests the kids, but people don't call him out publicly or send his ass to jail. What they end up doing is just saying, don't leave nobody alone with him. Y'all, we got to do better as a black community. Yo, stop that. If somebody doing wrong, I don't care if you black, white, Mexican, whatever you are, if you big, little, it doesn't matter. Right is right, wrong is wrong. And so what I'm going to say to the community right now and everybody watching this is you name one issue that I've done that you get this type of anger towards me because I posted a picture. When have I done harm? I want y'all to ask yourselves that. It's so easy to dislike somebody for calling out bad behavior. That's bad behavior. You you are letting somebody use you as an optic to lie to the public during a during a damn election season. Yo, I'm the one doing something wrong. Y'all got more upset about me posting that picture than than Andy Shore gassing kids. I didn't see nobody say nothing. All y'all people who was talking about how great and how how I'm wrong and inboxing me and emailing me. Yo, I ain't seen y'all step up and stand up for nothing. Nothing. I ain't seen y'all publicly state anything about all of the dangerous stuff that he's done to our community. But I had somebody come on my post talking about that's divisive. Who's divisive? Andy Shore sat his ass in that picture with her, and she let it happen. And I'm divisive for calling it out. And even if you're not going to do it publicly, I think something that I take major issue with is I'm a very much person of keep that same energy. And it would be one thing because I wouldn't even be upset if people come around to support someone because they feel that their friend is being, you know, talked about, even though nothing was said. But can't we do both? At the very minimum, can we not do both? Because my thing is, is I have yet to see many people, and it's not just this issue, because I was in a room, a whole room full of people that sure had a lot to say about everybody being nice and everybody working together and all this, that. And I always feel like I'm the one that's like, yeah, I don't agree with that. And here's why. Because y'all don't keep that same energy with that. Working together only works for the oppressor That's because it. they count on us to work with each other and us to not talk about things in public and us to do things in the respectable way. Meanwhile, they are overtly and outwardly and oppressively and aggressively disrespecting, harming, traumatizing us. And we're too busy saying, 
No, we can't say that. We can't speak about that. And that's something that maybe that's a personal thing. I grew up, you know, very much in 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 a family that's like, no, we can't, you know, don't talk about that person. We know they're on. We know that they're on that. You know, just don't leave your stuff out. Nah, we gonna talk about it. No, you can't come over my house. I love you. I love you, but you no, I'm not gonna feel uncomfortable in my home. My own home. This city is my home. I'm not gonna feel uncomfortable in my home. Propaganda should feel uncomfortable. He should. That's my point. He should not feel comfortable Wait, enough to walk up. Why, I seen, why does he feel comfortable? I, listen, because people do that. And everybody's all about the respectability part. And I hear people say this all the time, yo. Like, we got to heal and we got to unite and we got to do all these things. No, you don't. Let Heal with me then. Heal with me then. Don't heal with that. Unless unless that man gets on 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 uh in national news and says, I apologize for all my wrongdoing. I apologize because more kids have died because my lack of accountability and my lack of having any vision for this city. I apologize for all that. I apologize for gassing your children in the streets. I apologize for all that. Until he does that and then says, I'm gonna move differently this how, mm-hmm. then we ain't no, ain't no unity even, involved. We can't just keep moving differently without rectifying the harm. That means no. I know this is long overdue, Hulon family. I know this is long overdue, but I'm so sorry for what happened to your brother, to your, to your. Son, that your still hasn't brother. happened. So when you're taking pictures with this person, understand that yeah. still hasn't happened. Miss me with that. So that that's 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 the point. And so the question of why does he feel comfortable in certain places? I seen Andy Short in person, face to face at real time, uh, when they had the Juneteenth there. Mm-hmm. You should have seen how uncomfortable he was when he had to walk, just because he had to walk past me. I'm not going to do nothing to you. I'm not stupid. I'm not going to harm you. I'm not going to physically do nothing to you. But he knew damn well it wasn't going to be no picture took. Don't even put me in the background of no picture. And I want to be clear. That ain't no Mike-specific thing. So don't get that twisted because it seems like we like to do that. Like, I don't know. Mike is some being like he did or said something because that's how propaganda works. He acted the same way around me. And every time, I'm know in, every time I'm in the same space with Andy, he acts uncomfortable as he should. He should be. He should feel very uncomfortable around me. So because let me f- if he ever came up to me and tried to do any of his propaganda, we would have a good conversation right then and there. So let me say something else because this is something else that keeps getting said that just bothers the hell out of me. All black people are not a monolith. Nah, no doubt. I understand that completely. Monolithic doesn't have anything to do with standing up with an oppressor. It doesn't. That doesn't have any. So people say we all can move in our own lane and work how we move. No, you can't. We say this to white people all the time. We are not going to disagree, agree to disagree on things that are actively harming my community. But it's okay for our own people to do it. And we can't call that out because you love that person. I don't care how much you love that. Then you should be calling that person in and saying, hey, man, don't be don't be using your influence to stand up with Andy Shore and lie to our kids. And then I come to find out this person don't even live in Lansing. This person don't even live here. You're not even directly affected by these issues. And don't I'm not saying you care or don't care. But the point is, we aren't a monolith. That's that's OK. But that doesn't mean that this is not a process of moving in lanes and doing things differently. There's there should be one understanding. I, I spoke to this person. and I told him. I said, there's just a non-negotiable for me. One of the non-negotiables for me is anybody who is standing with an oppressor. I can't deal with you whatsoever. I won't work with you. I will call that out every day. Tracy Edmond, uh, Pastor Edmond, uh, held this big event uh, outside his church, had the police department there, had the mayor there to take pictures, of course, right right after her picture, this picture came out with Tracy Edmond, uh, and then had a um, had Chief Green speak to the people. Yo, how dangerous is that? I don't care if y'all don't like me or like what I say, then leave. But the point is, I'm going to call it out every time. 
You're not going to lie to my community. And the community does not know well enough and they trust you to tell them the truth. And when you overlook all of this stuff that's happened and you stand up with this person and you allow Chief Green to come and talk to the people, you know, could you imagine the bitch fit that had to be? Like, could you imagine Chief Green? He already went public in the newspaper saying that I don't want to speak to or I, I didn't even want to be. If I had to be a choice to make it all over again, I wouldn't even have been a cop because the community is so rough on us. And you let that man talk to your congregation. I was going to say, if anybody read that article, um, I just after reading that article, that's not somebody that I would want to speak, you know, for us or to us or anything like that, because it really told me exactly where he kind of stood. And it's that same trope that we're hearing across the country of being held accountable. And what I'm hearing is you don't, don't like want to be held accountable. Right. The police have to be held to a different standard. Otherwise, you wish you would have never become an officer. If you would have known that we were going to become hip to the fact that y'all are an oppressive system and we want it to change, then you would have never gotten into the system. Is basically what I heard. And I'm just like, but you wow. let them speak to the people. That just beyond me, yo. Like, I'm not going to let somebody like that speak to the people. What, why would I let somebody like that sit up there and lie to the people over unity? I don't believe it's over unity. I believe it's over probably to forty thousand dollars. He got, he paid you to come take that picture with you. If I wanted to take if I wanted to take pictures and stop what I'm doing here, I could I could have all my problems relieved, my personal problems relieved. I mean, sure he would be like, I do whatever to get Mike to stop to stop messing with me. Like he he hates internet. He doesn't like anybody talking about him on here. I'm like his worst absolute worst nightmare. And I I'm sure he's probably sent plenty of people to say hey. Can you get Mike in the room, man, so we, he can stop doing what, whatever he needs? No, you're not going to be able to do that with me. I'm sorry. You're not going to be able to stand up in no pictures with me. I'm not going to do all of that. I don't care. So people who do that, I just want it to be known. They know what they're doing. But they've decided that your issues, you, people, issues in this city don't matter as much as their own personal gain. That's what it is. And the people around it, that, and, and it's funny because the people that swarm this person are all people that I put in the same box. They're all, y'all all in the same box of people who who uh, are okay with oppression. You remember I always talk about the three type of black folks. The third, the number three, the person who uh, puts up with it all. The number two person who puts up with it but goes home and is pissed and hates and they're almost getting woke. And then the number one type person like me who ain't putting up with none of it. I'm not playing with no racism, no oppressive behaviors at all. And I will call it out no matter what. If I lose everything, I've lost everything calling it out. Remember that. But it doesn't feel good to feel like you're on an island. And I would just say I would just say this. And this is from a personal standpoint, based on the amount of support that I get in my inbox and you get in your inbox and through our personal means of communication. I will say this. Thank you. That is appreciated, and sometimes we do need that. Um, but don't be above publicly saying these things. If that's how you feel and you just support, you do support this. Like, don't leave people out out on an island. You know, we we are in a di- we are in a different time right now. We can't act like we are in normal um, election season right now because we're not. We're not in a normal election season. We are in a war election season yeah. right now, and it is wartime. So. For us to act like this is just some you know, normal everyday four years shit. ago and we're just like, I don't like that candidate. So I'm going to do this. And people are like, how dare you post someone's picture just because of this? Or how dare you say this about, um, you know, this person giving a hug to this person and all of these things? Maybe four years ago, eight years ago, that wouldn't have mattered as much. But right now it does. Everything matters. Everything and if matters. We keep trying to act like it doesn't matter. 
then our city is in for a hell of the next four years. And so if we yeah. keep sticking our head in the sand, you know, that private support definitely matters and it's great. But at some point, don't just be an ally, be an accomplice. Like at some point, like we need that step out. We all do because it's there. Don't act like we're the only ones that feel this way. A lot of y'all feel the same exact way and got that same feeling when you every single time y'all see pictures when he did the senior citizens thing, when he goes and does these things and these things, people feel a certain way. There's no problem with calling that out. We can call people out in love. It's okay. Well, I wasn't calling that person out at all. I was calling out no. Andy for doing what he does. They called her out. Let me re- let me rephrase that. If you know these people, because we don't know these people, so we called Andy out. Right. We always call Andy out for his pandering. That is right. nothing new. But like I had said in that room, you weren't you weren't in there. You had stepped out for a minute. But um, in the eloquent words of someone that I do respect immensely that said, get your people. Mm. We have to start getting our own people. That means our friends, our family, our political allies, people we work with. If you know that person in a way that you can have some type of conversation, start having those conversations with those people. So then maybe they don't get called out by That's anybody. It. Like, save, save your people from from Mike Lynn. Seems I'm so dangerous and I put something on my personal Facebook page. Like people act like I sent that shit to the Associate Press. I posted a picture on my Facebook and said, I'm gonna leave this here. And all y'all got in a fit. That's cool. It is what it is. I've been had worse done to me. And I'm cool. It is what it is. If you catch me on some bad behavior, you can pull it out. Talk about it. It does uh, get called. It does. Yeah, it but does. that's the thing. <laughs> I, yeah, I just got. In, I was in the city pulse the other day. Remember, we just had and that we whole all conversation. Have to atone for the thing. Got like, atone we for all it. Do. We I can't all act like to, yeah. And we don't throw. You know, we don't throw people. Away. We, we live. We learn. And it's about how you handle situations. But when we just keep watching somebody propaganda handle these things terribly and not care about the harm that they're being, you know, that they're causing. I'm sorry, people don't get a pass for that. No, None of can, my family. You can be clear that you come better. to America 20 Life or to my Facebook page, you will get the truth. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, and I don't care what none of y'all think. Not y'all, y'all my fam. Uh, but I don't care what none of them think. And and, uh, and in most cases, like I was saying before, the people who surrounded around this person are all people that are benefiting from the same behavior. So they got this like I always talk about this nerd power ranger that comes together to take on the monster, right? It's like a Megatron. I always get a Megatron that comes against me because I'm, I'm calling out an action that somebody's doing and there's multiple people doing an action so they ha- all have to defend it. And we're just talking about defending versus gaslighting. This is this is defending. Like they all have to defend their own behaviors and actions by saying that me calling it out is the worst thing that could ever happen in the world. Like I've gotten, I've gotten emails from friends who are like, uh, not friends, but like people who are in this game with me that are like, you know, you can't be calling out a black woman like that. Why can't I? Explain to me why I can't. What you mean? When it's Candace Owens, y'all ain't got no problem jumping her stuff over something that she say or something she do. So why can't I? Patricia Spitzley get ate up every day by all of y'all people that be running y'all mouth. So what do you mean? We can't call her out because she a black woman. Stop that, yo. If somebody doing harm to the community, they, they doing harm to the community. Black, white don't matter. Right is right. Wrong is wrong. So I'm going to leave it at that. Um, y'all can make whatever conclusions y'all want out of this situation. But... um. Is you gonna? <laughs> <laughs> I texted. She didn't answer. So. Oh, okay. I guess we'll drag on with the story until uh, she's ready to come in. So, Kathy, if you're in the green room and you would like to come on the show, we're ready for you. That's gonna take a second to get out there. Um, but anyways, as we were talking about before, we have 16-year vet of City Council Kathy Dunbar will be on here very shortly. Um, and on top of that fact, we're gonna talk about all the things happening in the city all the things doing, all the things she's been a part of, um, all of that. So 
Do you have the bio pull? You do. All right. So um, we got a message that our volume is um kind of soft tonight. Volume's kind of yeah. soft. Yeah. Hmm. Let us know in the comments if we're you're able to hear that. us. You know. Hmm. All right. So we are gonna switch over to our guest. Um. So we've got Kathy Dunbar on tonight. And this is straight from her website. So Kathy Dunbar has been a council member for 16 years. She has spent years cultivating solid working relationships with staff in all city departments. Uh, she's excited to improve customer service wherever we interface with the public. Um, she's well acquainted with city operations and the budget. Um, she actually recently spent Super Bowl weekend on Zoom calls restructuring the Lansing Lugnuts contract renewal, which saved the taxpayers $2 million in the process. Um, as a trained facilitator, she's worked with hundreds of neighbors and small business owners to find collaborative solutions that address community-identified needs. And those experience, um, she says, help to shape her priorities. Um, she is a four-term council member and is a tireless advocate for social justice, community and economic development, environmental stewardship, urban revitalization, citizen engagement, and sound fiscal management. Welcome. Kathy Welcome, Dunbar. Kathy. Uh, I can tell it. Let me uh, actually let me turn your mic up. Go ahead. Give me a test. Test, test. Perfect. One, two. Three. All right. You get OK. You we're getting a loud and clear. Awesome. Okay. All right. So Kathy Dunbar is on the show. Finally, what's going on? Where are you at with your campaign? What made you do it? Where are you at? Let's just talk about who is Kathy. We hit you with all of it real quick. You did. You hit me. So um, one thing I want to say before we get started is I seen some pictures of you back when you <laughs> was in high school. Oh, that I think I wish I had those pictures go up on the screen. People would not. Uh, would not believe that you were a figure skater. You went to Michigan State and actually was on the track and field team. Yes. So tell us about all of that. So Where you grew up and what, what's, what's going on with all that? I grew up in Clinton Township. Um, it was a Mount Clemens mailing address. I went to Fraser High School. I graduated. I will tell you, I'm 53 years old. I graduated in 1986, um, and I came to MSU. When while I was there, I was a member of a national championship figure skating team. Um, we went to nationals three years in a row. We won twice. And um, yeah, it was a very expensive sport. But I was also <laughs> on the track team. And so I would I would juggle that um, in the spring every year. And it was such a it was a very strange combination of sports because I wasn't a runner. I was a field event person. So mm, I was okay. a jumper. I was a thrower. Um, I threw discus and shot. That's I went to states three discus times. Discus is the wow. twist, like yes. And actually, no, they throw it like this. It's oh, yeah. Right. Like there's this. a there's a lot of <laughs> torque athletic. involved. In, yeah. Okay. Yeah, whatever. If Justin Kane was watching, he's he's a Paralympian, mm. um, and I helped train him for his discus throwing when wow. he went to the. Wow. So I thought that was amazing yeah. when I seen that. And then you had told us that you were a figure skater also, which I know that that, that takes a lot of work and dedication. I've seen like them talk about all the practice they have to go through and, and everything like that. So that was just amazing to hear all of that. Yeah. Big yeah. question. Can you still skate? Um, if I didn't need a hip replacement? <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's let's just. Yeah. Be real. I, I wish that I could still I can still coach. Um, mm. In both round, in both sports, uh, but I think my days of falling on my mm. butt. In any case, I did. I I loved a rollerblade, mm. so I used to love it when my kids would go to um, 
you know, there was always roller skating. Mm-hmm. So I would be like the parent that was out there on the floor with them. Didn't have mm. a problem with that at all. Nice. I loved it. Nice. Loved it. So Kathy's been on city council for 16 years. What you've also have a nonprofit you've been doing for about the same time or a little longer, right? Longer. Longer. So what, 20 years with that? Yeah, talk about to us about 20. the nonprofit. What is the name and what, it, what yep. does it do? I started South Lansing Community Development Association. Um, it, it is a kind of a roundabout story. So I didn't, I didn't go to school to be in politics. I, I have a degree in history and philosophy of law, um, anthropology from MSU. And um, and I yeah, I never intended to go into it. What I, what I did was move into this neighborhood uh, right after I got married. I already had a kid, was waiting, you know, I was pregnant with my second, and I was waiting for the welcome pack. Like, everyone told me when you move into a neighborhood, people show up at your house with, like, lasagna and brownies and food. Hmm. I was like, where is it? Because I'm nine months pregnant right now, and I want my binge food. Nobody was coming with the food. So I loaded up my kid in a wagon, and I went for a walk. And I introduced myself to everybody in this this neighborhood. And it was a small neighborhood. It's 75 houses on four streets. I found people on every street that had lived in that neighborhood for more than 40 years Mm. on each street, more than 40 years. Their kids had gone to different schools. They didn't know each other. Wow. They didn't know each other. And I figured that out while I'm like, Hmm. because the first time you meet somebody and they're like, we've lived here for 40 years, you figure... I just went a half a block around the corner and the next person says, we've lived here. I'm like, you must know mm-hmm. citizen A. Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope. Wow. Then I meet citizen B and then they don't know citizen C or citizen D because all their kids went to different school districts. Mm. Gotcha. You know, the Lutherans, the Catholics, oh. the public school, yeah. whatever. So it sense. just struck me that we were in this very tight knit community where it, it, it should have been like a Mayberry. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. Okay. It yeah. wasn't. And so I ended up sort of becoming the neighborhood mom because I had the gaggle of four and there were other parents that had two, three, four kids. And, and then it became sort of a neighborhood president thing, which I didn't, nobody ever, like I laugh now. It's like the Mary Kay gig. Mm. You know, it's, it's, I feel like that was like what I thought of neighborhood moms mm. at the time. But, but then you I, became one. But then like, I became unknowingly. one and I get it. And then I totally got it. And we started involving the schools and the churches and businesses. And we started these picnics. And um, we had Halloween costume parties and Christmas parties and Santa. And, like, just neighborhood cleanups, everything. And I I was totally immersed in it and loved it. Hmm. What neighborhood was this? Sagamore Hill. Sagamore Hill. It's it's off. It's between Moores River Drive and Mount Hope on Boston. Oh, yeah. And the north end by... Quentin Park. So yep. when people say, "Oh, you mean Moore's River Drive?" I say, mm-hmm. "No, spitting distance yep. to that Moore's River I know Drive." You're about. So like awesome. Quentin Park runs here, and it's that neighborhood that kind of runs behind that. Yes, like, and we, you know where Boston makes that curve. Yeah, where mm-hmm. it looks like Boston goes straight, but Boston really makes a curve. That's that's the neighborhood. I got you. So those four little streets, with people forty <clears> years <throat> or more in the neighborhood, never known each other. So that's why I started the, the neighborhood associate. I thought, my God, we have to have a picnic. We have to, these people have to meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then s- along the lines, I ended up getting an award um, many, many years ago. It was the B. Christie Award. It's a neighborhood award that was given out to ex- like an outstanding volunteer. And I was giving my speech for that at the Lansing Center, and somebody from the health department saw my speech and said, you are the person that we want to lead this Community Voices Project. 
And that's mm. how I got into the community development world mm. because the vision that I had for the neighborhood. You had a vision. I have. There's people who don't have a vision <laughs> have right vision. now. So here. That's good. That's no already vision. started right yes, there. We're already I have, good. I had this vision yeah. because all these groups existed in silos. Like mm -hmm. the neighborhood people talked to the, to the neighbor, but they didn't talk amongst themselves. Like, so the neighborhood people within a neighborhood talked, but they didn't talk to other neighborhoods. Mm. That You had your school groups. You had your church groups. And but they weren't across religions, mm. you know, wow. everything was very siloed. Okay. And I thought in all of the circles that I roam in, we all have common issues and mm -hmm. common problems that yeah. we could all collectively put our minds together and come up with some solutions. Right. So that's I started this whole I, I said my silly speech when I when I won that award was about the trees and why I loved my neighborhood. Because when I moved there, the trees came across the street mm. and they touched each other. And it made this this sort of protective, oh. like canopy. I'm getting the visual. Mm -hmm. When you drive down the street, mm -hmm. and it's not a fancy neighborhood. It's, mm -hmm. it's a nice old neighborhood. Our houses are like 100 years old. But the trees touching each other spoke to me that this is like, I'm looking out for your kids. You're looking out for my kids. And it, it became the umbrella of everything. And I thought schools are involved in that canopy and churches are involved in that canopy and businesses and government agencies and nonprofits. And so when they contacted me to start sort of moving with my vision through this process, I started a nonprofit because I said, we can't do this on a grant, a one-time mm -hmm. grant that's mm -hmm. gonna end. Like the work that needs to be done is long-term. The change that needs to be made is systemic. And and we started from there. Wow! wow. And I so never knew. I'd never even heard. I kind of had heard of it, but I didn't know like the background of it or like yeah. how it got how it was born. I'm gonna put the contact info in there for y'all just so you can kind of. Oh sure. So you are then. So then you went from that process, which sounds like you know you already were kind of the neighborhoods council person to what you know to to wherever you guys were area. to the small area. So then you decided to run for council, and what 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 made you jump into that arena? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't because of n the neighborhood itself. It was more about my nonprofit because what I found after I started the nonprofit was that there's only so much you can do with donations and volunteers. Mm -hmm. You know this. Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm preaching to a choir. So, mm -hmm. so you can have the best intentions in the world and, and you can raise some money mm -hmm. to do some things, but if you don't have policy behind you, if mm. there's a law against this, or if there's a zoning ordinance that prevents this, or like I, those were the hiccups that I was coming into. Like I was finding environmental changes that needed to be made, things that were beyond my mm. ability. Mm. Like one of the first things that we talked about um, during our community visioning sessions was um, lack of safe places for kids to play in mm. South Lansing. Mm -hmm. It was a big deal. Like we. We did visioning sessions in 2000, 2003, 2005, 2012, and we would keep visiting. My, my, my earphones are falling. Um, we would keep going back to the communities, different segments of the community, and asking them, what is it that you need right now to feel safe, for your kids to feel like they've got activities? I mean, it was a whole process of community mm -hmm. voice. So let me, I'm going to back this up just because we, we can, right, because we have this platform. Yep, so, you got time. Kellogg Community Voices is the grant process that the health department funded us from in the beginning when I was a community mm -hmm. development coordinator. And the idea behind those Community Voices grants was to let people decide what they need, 
how they want things fixed, what they want the fix to be, back the F up. Mm-hmm. What happened I know. to that? Feel like that. Feel it. Feel I'm it like, what happened to that? I know. Where is that? <laughs> so I started this, this, I would say, I call it suits. And it was offensive to a lot of people. There was a lot of people that were offended. Because I would say, we don't need the suits. Mm. We don't that, need like, the suits. To some, they'll say that that's the guys then. It's, it's, but we understand what it means. You don't want the like business. The like, yeah. the like, you want the, the people. Yeah. Right. So, so what was the offensive? What were they taking offense to? Because it was, it was, it was not. It was. They thought it was insensitive that that I figured because they were in a suit that they couldn't relate to. Gotcha. Above, mm, that's they, true. I don't care. They, I'll say they it. They couldn't. Yeah, they can't at all <laughs> to the anything. So I mean, that's still an issue. So the oh. the, the first time that it really. Um, struck me was there do you remember arbor point mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay arbor point was known as arbor point and shoot mm. back in the day mm -hmm. and cranbrook was across the street and we mm -hmm. all called it crackbrook mm -hmm. it was an awful okay. scenario police mm -hmm. like basically let it go mm -hmm. it was a free-for-all not unlike some things today but mm -hmm. we'll, we'll stick with back then so there were a lot of shootings there was um there was an investigation of an assault there were a lot of vacant buildings there were a lot of the property was not kept well. The people that lived there felt unsafe. And there had been like seniors that had lived there for the longest time and just watched it decline. Mm. There was a shooting. There was a shooting. So what happened was the mayor at the time, and this is prior, probably four mayors ago, um, called in the suits. They went to the community room at Arbor Point. They set up this like stagey area they put classroom style seating mm. out there that all the people who live there who frickin' matter sit like they were in a classroom mm -hmm. and get lectured to by a bunch of folks saying, this is what we're gonna do to make your community better. That we, we, we see that there's a problem, we've, we've got the answer. Mm. And they, they went in there, basically lectured for about an hour, took the photo op and everybody took off. And this is when my, my nonprofit was just being born. And so we stuck around. Like, I was there at the end, and we were about to pick up all the chairs and put everything away. And I said, you know what? Let's leave the chairs out here. Let's reconfigure them. And we made a circle with all the chairs that were out there, away from the podium and, and all that crap. And I sat down, and we introduced everybody, because that wasn't done at the beginning. Mm. Mm. You know, let's just let's talk about, I mean, I, you've got to know who. I've seen this before. <laughs> I was just in a you know, room about, like that. Like, about yeah, a month ago, ago, they did the yeah. same thing to us. They actually sat on the stage. An actual stage. Yeah, yeah, and sat us out in the public like we were at some TV show or something. Like, I, I don't was know, like, some taping. Awkward. Yeah. So so we, we changed the whole configuration of the room. We sat in a circle, and we went around the room. We talked about how long folks had lived there. How, if they raised their kids, grandkids, mm -hmm. whatever, we got a picture of the folks that we were, you know, serving and working with. And I said to them, do you feel like anything's going to happen from what you just saw? Of course not. Mm -hmm. and they all talked about it being performative. We get this every time there's a shooting. Mm -hmm. Somebody else comes in, tells us what we're going to do. So I said, what do you think the problem is to these folks? And they thought about it long and hard. And we, we wrote notes. They felt that most of the problem at Arbor Point was being caused by kids that were not from Arbor Point, that were friends of grandkids mm. that lived at Arbor Point that would come in there. They knew who the kids were. They could call the police when those kids were there, but nobody would ever show up. Um, and I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do now anyway, but 
But the other thing was they, they said that these kids take up all the parking spots. Hmm. So these older ladies were buying, gro- they'd go out and they'd buy their groceries mm-hmm. and they'd come back. They'd have to park like three different units away from where they live. Car- There's no lights. Mm. The lights weren't working. They'd have to walk past the dumpster, kind of scared of everything. So they get back to their place and <clears throat> all these other kids are congregating outside of their units. So they're telling us these stories. Mm-hmm. We're like, okay, that feels very unsafe. You don't know who these folks are. You don't know if they belong here. They're behaving in ways that make you not feel comfortable. What would make you feel comfortable? What would it take to make you feel comfortable? And a lady said, if I could park right in front of my door, if I knew that that parking spot was mine, mm. I said, okay. There's a sign parking right now. Now there is. Yeah, so there you go. That solved <laughs> there that There wasn't issue. then. Yeah. And so we were like, okay, what would it take to make this happen? Well, whatever unit is on that door, there's going to be a parking spot with that number on it. And mm. we went through the whole process. We ended up buying the paint. Mm. We and ended up stenciling. The... We worked with, you know, the community there. Wow. And, and, and the thing about that is, looking back, <coughs> excuse me, I don't know that it curbed all of the crime mm-hmm. or even a significant amount of the crime. It was something. It was action of but some sort. But it was sort. action yeah. that they came up with. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So if it failed, it was they knew that they got to at least try. Right. And yeah. somebody listened to what they had to say. Yeah. Right. And so, and it at least solved some of an issue that obviously that they were having that was a very tangible and real issue to them. Yeah. I think that that's sometimes what we miss. I was going to say, like, sometimes the answer is, sometimes some of the answers are a little bit simple. If we just sit down and listen, they're not always like very complex answers to be clear, but sometimes there are some simple answers if you, if we're just willing to listen to, you know, the community. Right. And to think outside the box. Like, yeah. and, and I know that that's an overused you know, term, but the idea that, that we always have to do what's always been done mm-hmm. is BS. Yep. That's a fact. That's what I mean. BS. The same thing that you just said is the same thing they're doing right now. So talking about that, in your seat at council, as you sit right now, what are the issues that you believe that council can affect? You know, we've had a lot of issues with you know, the the mayor, and we know that, and this is why you probably put your name in the hat because there's obviously a deficiency there. But um, from council, like, what are the things that, that can be done right now instead of, like, what Spadafore did when he came on and did this whole, you know, we're going to do a stop the violence, uh, what, was, what would you call it, a town hall, and then nothing came from it. So the same thing they did at Arbor Point. Like, we're going to sit everybody down, bring the suits in, we're going to talk to you all, and then we're going to leave from here and not do anything. So what? let me ask you this. What have you seen being done? on council since this murder, since Spadafore did the town hall, what have you seen being done from council, from his position that he can do work at for the violence? That's it. Nothing. I mean, I can't speak to what he's doing that I can't see, but I can't see anything. Well, I'm saying council, not specifically him. I think that the, when the president of the council comes out. I was going to say there's a perception. Yeah, there's yeah, a perception that, that he's city. speaking yeah. for the whole yeah. council yeah. and the city kind of thing. That. So he's going to kind of go back in there and say, all right. All right. This is what I found plan. out. Yeah. This is what I heard from the people when they spoke at this event. That we almost didn't let anybody speak. Yeah. So but this is what hear. I found out. Now I'm sitting in front of you all. What This is what we're going to do. Like, because what I'm asking you this is last Monday, you know, we were at council and I know that. Um, they were trying to do a resolution or you were trying to bring a resolution to get the mayor to give this last $35,000 that advanced peace needs. 
and it got shut down angrily. And I got in trouble because I said something about it on the show about how the behavior yes. was when he looked at you yeah. and that it was a really it was a really odd. You could just tell there so was some behind the scenes stuff that had took place that we were kind of seeing the end of the argument in. What what was the issue with it? So it's interesting to me that there are council members who throw procedure out the door when they want to get something done and then enforce procedure immensely when they don't want something to happen. Yeah. So I've, I've, I know as a council member, we, we cannot, according to legal court rulings and, and court cases, there have been too many opinions that, that we don't have the ability to allocate funds outside of the budget process, right? That doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, and in this case, um, I didn't feel like the current administration was not supportive behind advanced peace in the beginning. I mean, in fact, I mean, I think you guys may have talked about this on a prior show. We all got an email. We were on, included on an email that basically said, great idea, but we don't have the money. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, we, we can find the money. Let's mm -hmm. find the money. Because we always do. Be yeah. Don't we? Mm -hmm. We do. Don't we? Yeah, what is what is that they, one? I should say. Uh, making a dollar out of a nickel every day. Mm. What fifteen? Whatever. Something. Mm -hmm. I'm used to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the nonprofit world, that's what you do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the average Frankly, citizen has to do that nonstop. Like as that's a just parent our life. with four kids, right. that's yeah. what I had to do. Right. So, so I'm very like when people will see me say that I'm like a very fiscally sound person, and they'll think that that's a Republican calling card. But it's not. I mean, it is. You still have to be fiscally sound to to be, to have the money to free up the money that you need to do the things that need to be done. Mm -hmm. We will always be told there's no money for proactive work mm -hmm. in gun violence. Yeah, there. That that's a hard sell for a lot of people to to free up the money that's needed to do the proactive work at the beginning to make sure that that kids are. Um, Somebody's saying face the mic, so I think you're because you're talking oh. at us. Oh, there you go. So you can I'm just so turn. Sorry. There you go. There you go. There you go. Sorry, guys. Perfect. Um, so I don't even know where I was on that one, but the, yeah, we always we, we always have to find the money. So in this in this particular situation, what happened was we got an email from folks at the county because mm -hmm. they recognized when we first funded this, when it first came down. Um, How much was that originally? The original allocation was $240,000 for the first year okay. of this program. Yeah. The county okay. is putting in a significant chunk. And then there was a commitment by the folks who wrote and have been working on Advanced Peace to to grant raise for additional dollars. Mm -hmm. They came short. Yeah. They came short. 70000 After the end of all of this. And how many years long? How many years have they it's already funded out of the years? As far as city, because the city only committed to that to year one, yeah. correct? Committed and we need to year two and one. three. And yeah. we need two and three. I just right. wanted to point that out. Just year one. Well, well okay. I think what I wanted to point out about this, and the reason I asked how much it was is because $300,000 is going to the mayor's alliance that they brought together this understanding of how they're going to deal with racism, not inside of his office, but like they're going to deal with racism everywhere else. Yeah. And so I was just wondering like how easily that was and like how they brought all these things on here to talk to us to get you guys to commit. He was like, I need this $300,000 for this thing. Yeah. So simple to deal with something that's um, is almost his own doing as far as I'm concerned. But 
this thing that could that could possibly help save lives and lots of them was looked at like ah you know we're gonna figure this thing out later and i want to and maybe because obviously you were at council too yes. <laughs> along with us we we both spoke and and i want to make sure i had it correct because i did speak and i i spoke last and i'm wondering like did i have this right or did i have this wrong but in, it's my understanding that you all the resolution was not to commit funding because you you can't do yeah. that it was literally a resolution to urge the mayor to commit to the funding is that yeah. correct okay yeah. so that was one part of it and then the other part of it was everyone knew it was out of procedure i did too i, I think i spoke on that like we knew it was out of procedure we knew it wasn't you said it Which a lot more what? eloquently than i put it at council but what i said at council is where there's a will there's a way and I always say that to council because I'm like, it's funny that when you have the will to do something, you find the way. And in that moment, it was like, nope, it's not procedure. And it got shut down so fast. I mean, it was like, it made my head spin. I believe folks had had a conversation beforehand, like planning how to just shut it the heck down. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Um, there was, uh, you know, we we had told everybody that it was coming. We had asked the staff to make a copy of it. Um, the The argument i guess if you could call it that um that i heard was it is not in its final form but what it actually was there was a there was an, a, a couple pages of emails which is interesting because it was that all the email addresses of all the folks who are involved in advance peace mm -hmm. and the a massive amount of community members that have committed to making this thing work mm -hmm. um, and staff left that at the front of the the printout and then it was a full-fledged resolution whereas whereas yeah. now yeah. therefore be that's it what resolved. i said i was like yo where there's the whole yeah when spatterforce yeah. said you just sent me a bunch yeah. of emails and just threw it on the table and all no, he was all upset so. and i was like wait a minute there's a whereas 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 this is a whole resolution here all the way yep. down to the last bit of it what are you yep. talking about it just and, didn't make no sense and one of the arguments had been so back backing up to the email that we got from the county asking us to do this the email from the county also said the county commissioners are going to do a resolution to fund half of the difference yeah matching it matching it but they it's contingent on the city of lansing mm -hmm. also doing that yeah. and so the we need to do it right yeah. so if we don't do it the county doesn't do it then we lose a program that has demonstrable results mm -hmm. yeah in affecting gun violence so so the idea i mean at first, somebody told me this doesn't this doesn't pass legal form because we can't do X, Y, and Z. So then the folks at the county worked with the law department to get it to the place where it needed to be, without violating any you know protocol. And it and it it fit. The city attorney said, if you're just urging, I'm not fighting it. Blah blah. Because mm. there was a will on the county level. Mm -hmm. They were finding a way. Yeah. So that was why, if you listen to Council that day, that was why there was such a bit. It just happened so fast. And Brian T. Jackson spoke on it as well. And he pointed out, we've made, um, I can't remember the term he used, but basically, like, we've allowed stuff like this to happen before. Yeah. Like, this isn't out of the bounds of reality. So just to be clear how much this got shut down, we didn't vote it down. They wouldn't even allow it on the agenda yeah. as a late okay, item. Okay, that's yeah, what I remember that. So that yeah. that's the whole concept. We the, it had been proposed mm -hmm. the week before by the deadline to get it on the agenda, and we were told by council leadership that it was not going to be on the agenda. Mm -hmm. And so then we had to bring it as a late item. Mm -hmm. But that has to be voted on as well. That has to be. What do you, I mean? On. What is the reason? Why? Why are they fighting this so hard? I don't understand I, it. I, I can't maybe. speak for that. I don't. 
Don't know. It makes zero sense. It makes just so y'all know the rest of you that voted no on allowing it as an agenda item just to be discussed and voted on. We all literally are like, what in the world? No, but we don't understand why. So, yeah, so I, I don't get it um, at all. But I, I, mean, also, I have my, you know. also something that I don't get is after the town hall that Andy Shore and Pat Spatafor were all at, mm -hmm. he started calling community members that were in the crowd talking and offering them money. Uh, one person told me it was like $30,000 to do like this, whatever the case is. And I kept thinking like, wow, you really just hate this program or don't want like $30,000 to an individual doesn't have an LLC or doesn't have a uh, nonprofit. How, how are you even going to give it to them? They're going to have a fiduciary to take the money because they don't even have a nonprofit set up and established. But this thing, Advanced Peace is like ready to move and it needed y'all to do that right there so that, you know, so what I'm saying is proper procedure and all of that or even having to press this person to do this, mayor, to do this makes no sense to me when you can just call somebody that you like how they talked about you because they said they might have said to him you know you're not the problem andy <laughs> and so he's like give him thirty thousand. like that that person i need to get some money behind that's worth that yeah but this is the thing advanced Damn peace has been all over the country in some of the baddest cities in the country and they've stopped violence we're gonna have to look at that a little deeper yeah. before we put thirty thousand more dollars on that it was disappointing to say the least like it was extremely extremely disappointing and it gave a window and i will say i think I shouldn't say give a window. I've had a window for the last year and a half. But being there physically in the room while this all went down was a very sobering experience for me. That is the first time I've ever spoke in person at city council. It's not the first time I've been to city council, but I've never spoken in person there and watching. You know, like I, I, I lost my phone. I haven't lost my phone in years. Yeah. I was so upset when I got done because watching it all go down and I guess it was just more, um, I don't know. It felt like more of a slap in the face. Yeah. I really didn't like it. Cityhood came in and said, question, do you think this was a move to have a candidate move this forward to take credit? Do you think that's what it was? Like, is this something that... And by the candidate, do you mean the mayor? Right. I guess that's that's the question. If there's any candidate, you know, if this is something that they want to be able to move forward... Well, I mean, if you, if, you, if you watched it, I mean, if you look at the, the key points in the current administrations, like when they presented their budget and all of their accomplishments and everything, I mean, advanced peace is right up there. Yeah. I know right I've, I've seen that. And I thought that how can because you, you all brought it, it's almost like, how can I say this? Like a, a backdoor given the 35K wouldn't have been what he needed to do. What he needed to do was shut it down in this environment because you all brought it. And then later come back with some press release. We're, we're funding this thing yes. so that it can press. Through. I sold. That's why I was yes. saying, like, I get why it is uh, that that whole thing took place. And it's like almost a control factor. It's always the same thing. Like if I don't have it, nobody's going to have it. Or if I don't bring it, nobody can bring it. And that's just kind of what I've seen from this administration. And how many people will never know that all of that we just talked well, about Well, they know happened. it now. That's the thing. That's is why we talked about it on here. That's so why we have to it. talk it about things. And yeah. We have to call things so, out. <laughs> so people are playing games with politics and they're holding up help that's dearly, that's like greatly needed right now to, to, to have the perfect moment. And I'm going to tell you all here probably when he's going to fund this is like right before the primary. It's going to be like this whole press that I'm going to fund advanced peace and you were going to do this. We're going to do that. And ultimately, it doesn't like none of this power structure hinges on the mayor. Like the mayor just gave money. That's all. So he doesn't get to decide how any of it goes or any of that type of thing. This is really the Ingham County's issue and project. And the mayor was just asked to give money as a city partner in it. So invest. Like, so they're asking. It's an initiative. It's an initiative with a blueprint, an existing blueprint that does want 
obviously city and Ingham County, you know, the county and city cooperation. Like it wants that. Right. Um, but it's not something that is built into the actual model and how it runs and operates. And what is the best way that you can, you know, fund an initiative is funding it. That's it. You know, and if yeah. you can do that, like that's that's it, you know. But if you can't control it, are you going to continue to pull a Trump on us? Like <laughs> that's how it felt. I was like, he's pulling a Trump on us. I almost right. said that, but I was like, oh, I'm so, so I, I got a like, question question from <laughs> one okay. of our one of our fam. Sure. You've had many ideas get pushed aside by previous administrations and the business community. In the current volatile situation that Lansing is in, how do you think that you'll be able to make change like from your position? Well, we have a strong mayor position. Mm. I mean, that is that is the saving grace of putting a different type of leader in that position so you and i have talked we you you've talked on the show even before about city manager versus the mayor and the debates know. about that so what i have found what i've found across the country um looking at national league of cities and the statistics and everything more cities across the country are moving away from city manager and back to a strong mayor position because they feel like the mayor is more accountable to the voters directly mm. as opposed to uh, a, an, an interim elected pool mm. in either case in either case um the council does not control staff or policy direct i mean policy in outside of the human relations um human resources area but it's still a city manager that controls the staff department's work that gets done or the mayor that controls all those things that get done the mayor in this town definitely has a lot more power mm -hmm. than in many communities so the current mayor is using it in one direction. Right. A future mayor can use that in a different direction. To do to do good. To do rather than harm. Do no harm should be the number one. Right. It I should get, be I the mean, bare do minimum. no harm minimum minimum. Yes. That's the least. So so for yes, you know, I have you've seen the resume, the bio, but I live for community facilitation. I love community dialogue. Mm. I love putting people in a room and letting different ideas bounce off of each other and figure out, because I don't know all the answers. I, n I never have claimed to, mm. but I have learned so much by putting people in rooms, mm. um, inviting them. And, and sometimes it's not even like inviting them. It's going where they are, going to their room, mm. you know, mm -hmm. where they where they are. The best way sometimes to get participation from folks who don't normally come is to go where they are. Right. Um, and you learn so much. And so for me, the idea that we can transform the organizational culture that is City Hall right now, that is uh, dysfunctional, that is directionless, that is rudderless. I mean, I use the term rudderless. That's not my term. That is from a, a staff person. Mm. <laughs> a not a not low level staff person yeah um that there is there is very little direction being given that it's more like we're just going to react to things that happen and and i which I don't, is the I, reason why i've been so effective from this chair because he's reactionary you know i mean if we put something out there that we we believe is an issue and people get behind it then we're going to see something come off of that there's no real vision yeah. going forward like this is what, and it's funny because we got a mailer at our house the other day from Andy Shore. <laughs> this said the Lynn family on it. So he, he mailed it to all three of us. And uh, and on the front is like someone who, you know, with vision for this city. And he's using, it's like, it's so funny when I see that 
vision has been the one thing that everybody says he doesn't have. Right. And it's like anything that you don't have, right. it's like he's going to attack that as if I do. Just it's just right. like, like it's a tactic. It's like we're helping him to understand what to lie to us about. Like they say, I have no I'm vision. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, like we have. <laughs> they said we have no vision, so we have to put a flyer terrible. out that says we have vision. They say that I'm a racist or that I that I uphold white supremacy, so we have to put a flyer out with me like at the Negro Leagues with a baseball cap on. Like, this is what he does. It's like whatever we tell them that the problem is, they just attack that with propaganda. You know what I'm saying? And it's like it's so crazy. But the average person doesn't know. Like the average person doesn't know that what he's doing is that is that. Like it's so polarized to people who even halfway pay attention. Like you don't even have to be watching it all all the time to know. That if you pay attention to the news and you pay attention to, you know, just any of people that are um, critical of him and then watch what he does, you can see this whole thing like, oh, he did that because of that. Oh, this is why we're hearing this from him, because they said this. You know that, you know, the term pod mapping or the concept of pod mm -hmm. mapping, right? If we pod mapped like propagandy's strategy, his pictures on like Facebook, the, the all Venn of diagram it. would like overlap in so many different places. Well, the retiree um, health care <laughs> issue was going on, right? You know, you had the retiree health care that they tried to slide past you all. And, uh, you know, he was getting reamed for that. They were at his house. The retirees came to his house. These are retirees. And for the people who don't know, this is the mm -hmm. city workers like police, fire, you know, uh, the service and, you know, whatever. They're all city workers. And so um, he came out on his Facebook <laughs> with this picture of him, like, on one knee talking to this elderly, you know, elderly group of people. And, like, you know, I'm like, it's just, it was just so crazy to me that he had the audacity to do that. Like, you do something very terrible. It would it it almost be like, you know, when Mike Vick was, was accused and, and eventually found guilty of that, just being like, you know, telling the rest of the world, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm somebody for PETA, you know, like, it's just, it's, it's like, again, Nassar, you know, being somebody who's saying that, you know, he, he, he's opening a daycare or something and the people would didn't know no better. This is what I believe. This is how I see Andy Shore. Like you are so harmful and then you're a liar on top of it. You know what I'm saying? So I have to read a comment really quick here because it made me laugh. Okay. Um, John came in and said, even Lansing Brewing Company got that about Andy. It's the reason their shore style beer was the most flavorless, boring beer they had ever produced. Wow. <laughs> Thanks for the laugh, John. That's pretty wow. funny. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on that, what you were just talking about, mm -hmm. because I've had people say to me, don't give away your plan because it'll happen before you can do it. Mm. That's mm -hmm. okay. It okay. still gets done. Because it gets done. So right. I don't give crap. Although I, I realize I could probably say shit on here. Can yeah. I? Yeah. Yeah, okay. you can open up. So I don't there. give a shit um, who gets credit for stuff. I know that it's offensive to a lot of people that, like, you know, that he'll take credit for things mm -hmm. that were not necessarily coming through, and he's not one to share mm -hmm. um, in that. Mm -hmm. But as long as it gets done. Right. As long as it gets So, frankly... If bringing that resolution to council caused that much of a stink, that that the the idea behind it was we don't want council to take credit for this, mm -hmm. we want to take okay, yeah, go do it. Nobody cares. Take credit, just do get it. these kids safe, right? You know, and we'll just make sure we talk about it so y'all know the truth behind it. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you're not gonna get nothing past America. Yeah, we can't say everybody watch, but the ones who do are definitely and gonna be. And hopefully, informed. they tell others about it because that's important, and that's. I value that sometimes you can't care when you have like that 
goal in mind like you have to know like i know how this person moves i've seen Mm. it i've experienced it yep jen kingsbury says relying on a good mayor to come along and do no harm with our strong mayor system is not a good long-term plan agreed if elected as mayor would you Mm. work towards revamping our current system and relinquishing some mayoral powers i'm going to tell you something i had a conversation with verge about this exact thing and i was like take some powers away from board uh appointments because the, all the boards are all appointed like by the mayor, so they're all just going to be his friends and people who don't uh, go against him and so on and so forth. So maybe that's one way to take some powers away is to give the people, you know, um, or maybe even council. I know you guys have to approve them, but they come to you and you don't know right. who all was in the mix. You don't know that You're the very that I was looked over for on multiple You're boards. You're picking from a pool of candidates that, that he had brought. no hand in selecting. So right. not to say that that's the way, but uh, would, to, to Jen's question. So, to Jen's question, and I'm reading it right now, hoping my glasses don't fog. <coughs> In the pro- this is this is classic. We're gonna just be real right now. Fifty-three hot flashes are a bitch. <laughs> Every single interview I've done in the last week, my glasses have fogged. The- I think I know why. What? Because I'm hot. No, I've been watching you, and I'm thinking like <laughs> I know why you're having this problem. Why? Because your hair goes <laughs> over the sides of your glasses. <laughs> It's so creating when you, an envelope. So when you talk, heat. yeah, it, it, all that comes up, and it's and it's like your hair is coming over, and it, it is creating like a path right I, in your glasses. I say just carry. Because I seen when you when you wiped it when you put your hair back, this this eye opened up. I'm dead serious. This people is why we need multiple voices in the room because <laughs> we need multiple <laughs> solutions that we can try. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm sorry, I'm coughing into Problem this. Problem solving <laughs> as well. So good question, Jen. Jen. Good question. Um, there are some things. Like mayoral appointments, yeah, that I would definitely move in that direction. Um, so this cough is gonna get me. <coughs> Just get one strong, good one out. I know I gotta. Uh, I'm not gonna hock a loogie on your show. <laughs> well, at least you know it's not COVID because you got yeah. vaccinated. That's I, did. Yeah. I did. Yeah, it why was we're it was here. it was way after the rest of them, but you did get it. Yeah. Well, there's a reason for that. Oh, but, I know. That being said. Um, <coughs> There are, again, advantages and disadvantages to the strong mayor system versus a city manager position, but it is not. I do not truly believe it's it's not about the system. It's about the person. And <coughs> cities all over that are moving away from a city manager position are doing it for the same reasons that folks are bitching about the strong mayor system here. Mm. Same exact mm. thing. They're not accountable to us. <coughs> we don't have any say over who he hires. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's just, it's an added level um, of oversight. This is, I'm really going to. Go try, ahead, get try, it out. Yeah, just, <coughs> yeah, just got it. I've been in the situation. You're not going to be able to talk through that No, one. because when I you got exactly that tickle, that. you just try to like work through it. Yeah. I've been, I, I used to train a lot and I'd be like, Hold on, I gotta step out, y'all, and I just yeah. have to go in the hallway and just get it just all get out. Because you keep trying to. You're talk gonna have through. to inhale some water. That's what you're gonna have to do. I would tell people, hold on, I gotta I go die real quick soda. in the hallway. Pop will help. Sometimes the bubbles help. The beer, the is a beer in there. I'm not doing beer. Oh, let's say you got a beer in there. You can is get a beer in the Starbucks. Is that really? No, oh. there's beer right there. Oh. <laughs> no, I thought you were beer. pointing at that. I'm like, that is a sneaky way to come. No, that is there's no beer in that. Okay. That's and there's funny. no vodka in my water. Um, <clears throat> so, yes, um, Jen, I'm so sorry that I coughed through that. But um, 
I, I do believe that there are ways to involve the council more in decision making, um, especially for appointees, because you are exactly right. There were so many good um, folks that had put in their applications to Border Water and Light that had environmental backgrounds, that had um, education, worked in the industry, mm. that weren't that didn't come forward. We don't know who doesn't come forward. We right. only know who comes forward. Just like they'll say at the development office that you know all the development deals that come forward are only the ones that have passed muster. Mm -hmm. So that's why you'll see sometimes folks are not asking the detailed questions about some of the developments because they've gone through the checklist process before they got there. Now it's a different yeah. scenario in that that vetting makes our job easier, right? Mm -hmm. So gotcha. we don't have to go, did you pay your taxes? Do you, you know, are mm -hmm. you up on this? Those things, yeah. But sure. in this case, yeah. having people that are qualified that we never see, or that they don't come to the council and say, okay, you're from the first ward. Mm. Who would be a good person for this position? You're you're more in touch with your immediate constituency in your ward. Mm -hmm. What recommendations do you have? Now, it's always open for council to do that. You can make a recommendation, but it is not actively sought. Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. And it is not necessarily followed. So gotcha. um, a couple yeah. other things real quick. <coughs> um, the fire the fire board so this is important it's kind of important to you because oh, i know that you've looked into too. this stuff the fire board at the council meeting the first <coughs> one i'll let you get that out real quick you gonna be all right <coughs> we could take I a break go. i'm gonna do this i'm gonna just do it i'm gonna cut through it i just don't want it to be like yeah. in, the, in their Appreciate ear that. yeah when you move away it is good like, like. so okay. on monday's uh council meeting again you had requested that uh, Steve purchase be taken off of the the chunk of people they were going to be appointed and again this is that appointment problem and Steve purchase father day purchase named in multiple lawsuits from the fire department and you had made that point that you know maybe this is a time to move away from that situation uh, something else though that happened with the fire board that I think is very important uh, for the people to know and for maybe you to uh, talk on if you know any more the fire board looked into um, some disciplinary issues that were happening and uh and the the way that the fire board is structured is that all discipline is supposed to come before them like if anybody's fired or terminated it's supposed to come before them and they like make the final decision this is written in the charter and so when the fire board started asking questions there was people on the fire board that were on top of their game was like wait a minute and one very particular one that came up was my firing they were like wait a minute how did this man get fired so polarized Everybody in the world knows about it, but it didn't come in front of us. So they started asking questions and wanted to know the information around it. Well, Purchase, Steve Purchase, who's the council or who's the board president, went back to the city attorney because this question keeps coming up in here also about the city attorney. Went back to the city attorney and then came back and said, yes, it's written in the, in the charter that we are supposed to be the last final word, but we've never moved that way. So we're just going to change the charter. Like how I just. No, no. Go ahead. So let me tell you the problem with both the police and fire contracts. Mm -hmm. The case law in Michigan says that negotiated um, uh, bargaining agreements, bargaining agreements yeah. supersede charters. Thank you for helping me with that. Mm -hmm. I think I coughed away my words. <laughs> um, so, and that's a problem. That's a problem. We should have citizen oversight in both departments, mm -hmm. and and it should not be people that are related to folks that work there and are named in lawsuits right. against the department. I'm Why sorry. do you think they were so staunchly against that? I know Kara Wood even you spoke know. up about it. I mean, there's some things that they get involved with or they get feelings on that just don't make sense to me. 
And this is what I said when they turned that down. This is a classic issue of you knew better and you didn't do better. And right. that'll come up at some point in time in somebody's lawsuit going forward that the council and the city, because you guys are city, the city knew this could be a conflict and still allowed it to happen. They were told at that moment, when you said that on council, on record, and the minutes was proved, when you said this could be a conflict going forward and everybody said nope and they shot past it like it didn't even happen, that would be a problem at some point. And so I just don't understand why they were so against that. Like, is it a personal thing? Like, we like Steve and we think he's a great person. Is this why they would do something like that? I don't understand what the reasoning would be. I, I don't know personal relationships with him. <clears throat> Are you? Oh, a little gum. <laughs> Get some good spit going. <laughs> good job. Yeah. Gum, not gum me. Yeah, no gum. <laughs> Just gum. Just the health component. Thank you for that. But so, I mean, what would be the reason why they were so against it? You know, we've had this conversation on council. This is weird to talk with gum in my mouth. That probably wasn't the best solution. Maybe a halls or something <laughs> would have been better. But yeah, it's okay. We're gonna, we'll work we're it out. Go we still this. got 45 minutes. We'll get, we'll get it going. Oh, we're going to keep going. Um, <clears throat> we have talked on council about switching out leadership in these boards, like giving more citizens a chance to serve. Mm -hmm. Some people have been on these boards forever. Mm -hmm. We have police commissioners that have been there for 20 years. Oh, I know. Um, Who's the white-haired guy? Older guy. You know who I'm talking about on the police commission. Oh, I think um, he slept through he slept through a meeting one time when I was there, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I think smoke. he used to be the um, what do you call it, the chaplain? Mm, yeah, I think he's the chaplain. It, I can't think of his name, but the chaplain. You're guy. right. So, so my thing is, I I remember, so I'm very close to two people who were on the fire board when that issue came up, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and both of them came to me and said, "What can we do?" because we're being told that it is out of our purview, that it is not how we roll. We don't get to see these details. I said, well, <clears throat> even if you don't get to make a decision on it, there's nothing that prevents you from seeing. Mm -hmm. You are the oversight committee. You should have access to that. Right. You should be able to see that. And so then I started looking and I realized that when I, I started to make requests for them, I sent in requests asking for personnel data I sent in requests asking for disciplinary data. Um, <clears throat> and I was met with, you know, it's a personnel issue. I said, okay, take away, take away all the names. Because the ultimate goal was to see if there is discrimination in hiring, firing, promotions, demotions, discipline, you name it. So mm -hmm. I said, get rid of the names. Give me two or three years worth of data and take the names off of it, but delineate them by race. So that I can see, because this is what you see, this is what you do. This is how you determine racism mm -hmm. in your city mm -hmm. with data. Yep. You don't do it by interviewing people mm -hmm. that don't live in the city. Mm -hmm. Or even people. Through an online survey. Yeah. Any, yeah mm. Or even people, we'll because people aren't always going to tell you that they're going through something, especially right. when they well, know you're- that's an oppressive ta tactic in itself, you yeah. know, because it there's is. an imbalance of power with yep. them, whoever they're asking the questions to. Right. So- I still haven't gotten the data. I um, I will follow up again, but I am I am waiting <clears throat> because, because your committee is public safety, right? No, no, no. I'm I am I'm on two. I'm on public service 
I chair public service and I'm on the DEI committee. So both of those mm. would be the one. Public service would be the one that would be asking or requesting this to that committee and DEI, to obviously, because the DEI. question is, yeah. Yeah, it's about racial discrimination. Right. Wow, hold on. So two so, to three years of just the data on this. Oh, man. That, that bogs would be, you up. Yeah, that would be amazing to have because you could see patterns. Trends. Yeah, yes, total trends. trends. And that's, <clears throat> I'm on the board at Capital Area Michigan Works. So when I started watching the how the mayor moved with this MRJEA committee, and as you've already talked about on the show, there used to be a different committee that actually came up with a plan and a way to move forward with certain recommendations My that deck. <clears throat> did not get um, moved on at all, got shelved, and then a, re, a, a new committee was made. When we started watching how that was going down, I thought, <clears throat> there has to be a better way. And then I attended one of our administrative board meetings over at Capital Area Michigan Works, and I can't say enough about that organization and Carrie Rosinga and the folks over there. So if you're watching, you are the bomb. They decided to do an audit, not prompted by any complaint. They just said, we in this, in this era, we want to make sure that what we are doing is equitable, is fair, mm -hmm. is representative. Mm -hmm. So they are doing this whole audit of internal communications, external communications, programs, facilities, making sure that their social media posts are accessible to everyone, that they represent everyone. Mm -hmm. They even talked about it. They, they said, you know, the weight of a lot of the folks that you're, you're posting in your photos of success stories, you're not representing the full realm of the human body. And, and, and it was more than that. It was like, are you using coded language? Is somebody inadvertently using coded language in a press mm -hmm. release? We've seen that mm -hmm. with our police press releases. Yeah, the Punisher. Oh, my. Yeah. You know, everybody. Mm. It's not outward. Oh, no. But 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 also in in the descriptions, like the background of criminality in certain victims is played up more than others. Mm -hmm. Um. And there's a lot of coded language in that whole process. But anyway, that 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 to me is it, it taught me, it really reinforced in me that everything you need to get a baseline of where you are, you already have. You have it. You need to look inward. You need to look at the data. You need to have somebody in IT who's who's who can aggregate that data for you. You need to have somebody that analyzes the communications. How what does it look like in the policy manuals of each department? How how are disciplinary actions meted out? How are what is the hiring process? What is the all of those things we have we have them. Mm -hmm. So why reinvent it? Mm -hmm. Why go ask? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm gonna mm, that survey. <laughs> that survey was some bullshit. We've seen that on Facebook for months, and I was, was thinking hard. I already knew when I seen that survey what they was looking for, and they got it. You know, they got exactly what they was looking for. They got people to say that there was no issue here. So that they could say, I mean, it's so let me let me let me explain what the survey was, because <clears throat> you, you've all seen it. So this was a self-selecting survey. There was a link put up on the city website. I don't know if it was shared on Facebook. I don't even know if it was promoted. I, I didn't see anything it. about it. They come out with these results from the survey. So like two thirds of the people that answered the survey are actually from Lansing. Hmm. A third aren't. 75% white, 74% own their own homes, 40-some percent have college degrees, 58% never had any kind of incident with the police. That's the one. And so yeah. you're, you're questioning, you're asking whether or not there's racism 
or you believe that there's racism in the police department. Mm -hmm. And most people said, yeah, we believe that. They also, most people said, we're satisfied with the police department. Mm -hmm. So we acknowledge there's racism, but it doesn't really affect me, so we're okay with it. Yeah. If you want to get a grasp on whether or not there's discrimination in traffic stops, which was actually the way that the question was worded, mm, okay. you need to ask people who've been stopped. Mm -hmm. You need to ask folks in the demographic that would be stopped. Right. Mm -hmm. And we mm -hmm. do have a demographic that would be stopped. Yeah. yeah. We um, know that by data. I asked this question actually um, in the group, and I'm going to read a couple of the responses if I can get them up quickly. Uh, we have this group this young lady made called the Avengers of Lansing. And I asked this question. I'm, I'm not going to pull it up. It's taking me forever to get it up. But I asked this question. I know the answer to this question, but I didn't want to feed on, you know, anybody's, uh, give anybody's, you know, something to respond to or they would feel some type of way about responding truthfully. And it's a group of mostly uh, BIPOC and, um, you know, from my, my community. And I asked, do we believe that getting, do you believe that getting more police is the answer to the violence in the city? And not one person in there said yes, not one. So it's very simple to ask the questions and get the answers that you want. You know what I'm saying? Rather mm -hmm. than ask the question to get the answer that you need. Right. And what this administration does is ask the question to get the answer that they, what they want, not what they need to know. And they I, ask the folks that they want to ask. Yeah, I mean, honestly, but they know that's, is, the, that's the game. There is no statistical relevance to a self-selected survey, not whatsoever. Right. Because, first of all, just by it being online, you are that's interviewing already, yeah. only people that have mm, access to the internet. Cuts a whole lot of people Barrier out. number one. By having it on the city website, how many people just go randomly looking through the city it's not website? not the most user-friendly website, just to um, be clear. To click on that. And, and one of the other things he said in one of the press releases was, or maybe it was in the, a news article that he did or a news show that he did after I did mine criticizing the, the survey. He said, well, 75% of the city is white, so it would make sense that the mm. survey is 75. Uh, okay. Okay. What's the goal? Equity. What is the goal? Equity. What's the goal? But so he still doesn't understand that term, though. He doesn't get it. No. So because 75% of that, the, the community is happy that are all white, we're still not touching this issue of these people that are people. He's like... He doesn't get it. And when he was interviewed by Fox 47, you had a counter interview that you kind of, you know, you told the real and what it really is. And mm -hmm. then he had his interview and it was so brat. It was like it was crass. It was like he was sitting there like, you know, he was almost like I felt like he was sitting back with his legs crossed. Like, well, the, the survey uh, depicts what Lansing is. You know, we got 22 percent of minority it. and we had that. It's like, wait a minute, you know, but. This proves that what you said earlier when you said the suits just don't get it. They just don't. And I think that. um it's hard for implants to understand, and I, and I always say this, and, I, and it's nothing against people who aren't from here, but people who come here with, you know, you come to your circle. And so think about this, Kathy, and, and viewers here. Um, I'm not in y'all's circle. Y'all watch me on this show, and I, and I, and I love the fact that y'all do, but you don't see me in day-to-day. -day. I'm not in the circles that the people are in. I have a whole circle over here that I grew up with since I was a baby and all the way up. And they don't even watch this show. Most people that I'm friends with don't even watch my own show. So my point is all of the circles that I'm in that I've navigated through um, and I have influence in this circle or that circle or this circle, well, my circle is this circle over here that, 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 that is what it is. What I'm saying to that is I'm gonna be biased to that circle. I'm gonna see that circle stronger 
I'm going to I'm going to care more about that. I'm going to I'm going to be protective of that. I'm going to try to advocate for that. And what I say with implants is they come into a city and they have a circle and then usually they don't come out of that. Like it's like when you come in like Andy Shore, he went to Michigan, he graduated, came to Lansing and he jumped into a circle, a clique. And and that clique will move with him everywhere he goes and he'll move with it where it goes. So you're not getting the full picture of what Lansing is if you're only in that circle. I'm in my circle over here, but I come in, I interact with everybody over here, and I'll interact a little bit over here. And I'm in all of these little circles. Somebody gave me here and, and, and had a question, and I'll get on that at some point. But, sure. you know, there's there's different communities that I'm I'm engaged with only because I advocate for them. Right. So it's not that I'm in the everydays, and I don't know what where people eat and where they, you know, live at and all that. I advocate for a group, so I'm in that circle because of that. And so I think with implants and people to come here and they get planted in this circle, you know, they don't get that there's a bigger city than this. Like you, there's not a wall up. There's a wall around you, but there's a whole city that has feelings and thoughts and things that are happening with them. And everybody, like I said, like Andy, I think like the suits part of it, he bounced into Lansing into a circle. He came right here and was and, and was elected, you know, and, and, and was in that elected circle. So he's not had no real genuine relationships with people that are outside of politics. I talk about this all the time, too. Like, I don't like to hang out with people that our only conversation is politics. I'll stop in to have a political conversation. But outside That's of that, in my in my <laughs> world and my friends and my circle, we don't talk. Polit- they don't know. They not paying attention to none of this. They just know Mike be all in everybody facing like that. That dude be tripping. He, you know, he be on him. He be on him. Like, I'll get that type of conversation. But. We don't talk politics like never. I sit down with my people and had that conversation. So I would say the same thing for them. They're not sitting down having a conversation about what's going on with us because they're in their own little circle Mm -hmm. and they don't pop into mine the way I pop into theirs. Do you know what I'm saying? I totally get what you're saying. So I'm going to say this. This was an interesting thing that we found. Um, You know, I run a food pantry. Mm -hmm. Um, We work with folks who are unhoused, couch surfing, uh, living out of their vehicles, working poor. Um, folks in, in situations where they, they're hungry. I work with folks who need utility bills paid, mm-hmm. housing, landlord-tenant issues, all this. The circle that I work in in my nonprofit doesn't even know I'm an elected official. Like, that they don't... They, I like, get it. They, they don't look at me. They, they saw my name on yard signs and was like, is that you? <laughs> Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why do you have your name on a yard sign out like, there? Right. Like, what, what is that? So, and I have to explain. And, and you know what? Maybe they vote. Maybe mm-hmm. they don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to stop serving them. Right. I'm not going to stop working with them. When I first um, came to Lansing, so I know you said transplants. Um, Implants. It's tra- so transplant. You, you said implant. implant. It's transplant. Oh, my God. Is oh. there... So I'm going to get it again. You're city get it. city Paul's going to write dent- an article. Some dentist out yeah, there is going to be like, super what are you mad talking about? I implant. Okay. Sorry. So I came to... We're human. That's, we are. Yeah. And sometimes you say stuff and yeah. then you like figure out and, yeah. then, you, and then you fix it. Yeah. Shit. And okay. This, yeah, so You're never going to say implants again for no. transplant. Yeah, Only because it's the wrong word. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think Whoops. of implanting somebody into the city. Like okay. A transplant can be that Transplant. Too, yeah. So I'm a transplant. I came in mm-hmm. 86. And... Um, and I didn't know. But you came here. Why? Let, let's ask that. Let's ask that question first. Why did you come to Lansing? Just short answer. Of what, what What brought you here to that neighborhood? Okay. So I came to 80, in 86 to go to college. Michigan State. And I wanted to buy a home once I got married and had kids. Yeah. And I wanted an affordable house. 
I wanted a neighborhood. I wanted to know my neighbors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked all the amenities that Lansing had. And Lansing was popping in 86. So about that, you came here to start a family. You mm-hmm. All the things that you just said are make you not the type of transplant that I'm talking about. The other transplants I'm talking about are people who come here for capitalistic reasons or to be a politician in this weak ass city that'll just elect anybody and not pay attention to things. Right. So you got Andy Shore who wants to be in politics. The man went to college for it. He wants to be in politics. Where is the softest place to go and get like you being the mayor of Lansing is like the next step to running for governor or something major. That's the that's the key. Like being the mayor in Jackson is not going to get you a, a, a one way ticket like governor whitmer is not coming out endorsing the mayor of jackson you know what i'm saying like this is the place place so if you're going to think about if you're going to if you're going to look at the map and you're going to say i just graduated u of m with with a degree in political science and i want to get into politics where do i go in this state to do that at lansing is it so you came here to do that that's not coming here to raise a family i love the city so much i came here because i'm on a path that i want to go that's the transplant aspect because you have other people to come here because we are a place that Lansing, this is something native to Lansing too. Promoters that come to Lansing from out of town can can throw a party like right now. They have no haters that have known them their whole life. There's nobody that's mad that doesn't want them to succeed. So somebody from Detroit or Jackson or any place could come here, put out a flyer, nobody knows them, they will show up to their gig. And it's been like that since I was a kid. I can remember there was this promoter that came from Chicago and he was doing like these all these bars, you know, back when the bars used to have, you know, like they would let promoters in there. And me and my little group of guys, we was like 21 years old. We was all trying to do our own promotion. We couldn't get people to the scene because this dude from out of town had everybody there. Nobody knew him. Nobody liked. Nobody cared about that. It was just an out of towner. So that's the transplants that I'm talking about. They come so, here on that. They're part of that is probably also related to the unfamiliarity of it. Mm-hmm. Because there is there's excitement in what's new, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I would guess that in in some ways folks get lazy, um, supporting their own, mm. and and want the newness of something that's from out of town. Now, maybe we solve that by doing something new mm. here. Mm. Mm. True that. Here. True that. Having a like different vision from here. Right. In here. Mm. So th- th- there's so many ideas that are that I'm hearing from folks who are excited to have somebody that listens to them. Mm-hmm. Um, we can do really great things in the city. We really can. We don't have to recycle what's already been done. We don't, I mean, there's just, the world is the oyster. It really is. We're going to talk about this lady. What lady? <laughs> April oh. Miller. And I thought, I was, was going to get thought, to it. Wait a second. Yeah. At first I thought she was a troll. No. But I've seen you pull up her Facebook page, and I think that she's nope. that she's actually genuine. Yes. Uh, she's asking, Kathy, would you be willing to sign an ordinance to protect parents from abuse and neglect? And I'm going to tell you that when I first seen that, I was like, man. So she says, Kathy, would you be willing to take a stand to protect parents equally as cats and dogs from abuse? But I'm going to tell you something about this. because this never heard of that. I know. And so I seen a That's video cool. the other day where this guy brought this parrot to the park. And he let it fly. And, you know, he brought the parrot on his hand and then he let it fly. And I thought that was so awesome because you don't see that very often because usually parrots will be in like like these these big old parrots that have wingspans of like four feet wide that they clip their wings so they can't fly. And then they're like trapped in a in a cage their whole life. But these are things that are supposed to fly and be out. Right. So so this seemed like to me when I first heard April and I'm, I'm sorry, this is just how I first originally seen it. 
it seemed like it was it was satire like she was coming on here to like but then i i looked huh. at her page and she's she's genuine okay and it's a genuine issue and i don't know if that's something that's at your level like that may not yeah, be mayor well, level sure well, it could all. be i mean this is the thing so the city council creates the ordinances the mayor can propose ordinances and have them um taken so uh, we can make Paris i have never heard i mean i'm okay so i'm definitely into um uh farm animals and okay maybe that wasn't the quote that we want stripped off of this show well <laughs> or, oh, goodness. okay Only so yes it is my purse on the table oh what it's in her bag what are we doing Oh, inquire. What's in my bag? Do you she really want to know? Her bag. We are. See, yeah. so what she said, fun fact, know, is just, that Kathy's purse on the table? It if is that my is purse. her purse, will she that show is, us what's in her bag? That is City Hood. I got to commend you. That you know, is a, a dope question. question. That is because people are always curious what's, yeah. like, what's inside your purse because our purses are like this magical kingdom in there. April yeah, says, yeah, Kathy, you can come meet our flock of rescues. I'm interested in this. I would love to. This. this is really interesting. I've never heard of this before. So I have friends of mine who have pot-bellied pigs that are trying to get an ordinance to allow those in the city. Um, I have a farm in the city. For those who don't know, um, our nonprofit operates a farm, Webster Farm, and um, we have a huge community garden space behind. Um, will you show us what's she in your bag? She really wants to see your bag. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll see. It'll be, what Maybe. is that TV show where you have to look in your purse? Let's make a deal. Oh, let's make a deal. Oh. Find, let's make a and deal. Find, we'll like, make a deal. Stuff. So, um, so anyway, the, I mean, obviously, I'm working on ordinances and am very supportive of ordinances for livestock, and anything that that helps with farming in the city mm -hmm. um, we run by the county right now that that's a chicken ordinance and everything but i mean yeah i would be totally willing to look at that um i she says i work to protect knew. paris absolutely but, knew. but what i'm saying is I'm, I'm really interested in this and what she's talking about because it has been something that i've always thought about with birds like why do you why do you clip their wings there's something that's supposed to fly it's almost like putting a fish you know how they put those what are those those fish that they put in the in the plant thing we always talk about in their life. Goldfish? No, they're not goldfish. They're the ones that you can't put two of them together to fight. Oh, um, betas. Betas. Is that what they're called? Yeah, betas. They'll put the, they put betas. They put betas in Maybe. something this big. Like they'll put them in this, yeah. and then put like a plant over top of them. And this beta is just in here swimming in a circle to for his whole lifespan. That's that's abusive. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I think, I think about the same thing, thing with parrots. Well, like, I think another thing with parrots is what they're finding is that parrots. Um, are very intelligent, a lot more intelligent than other birds, and that we even knew. I actually read a story. I actually read a story yesterday See? about a parrot. It's crazy. <laughs> I read a story yesterday about a parrot. This woman said that she, um, her parrot, would get very agitated when a car alarm or an ambulance or a siren would go off outside, and it would start flapping the wings and getting all, you know. So she would calm the parrot down by saying, "It's okay. It's okay. It's okay." And she said one day she came home from work. She had a terrible day and she was on her bed crying. And her parrot came over and landed on her shoulder and was saying, it's okay. It's mm. okay. It's okay to her. And I was like. Yo, they're so, smart. I'm like, this is. So I think you know, that there's a lot of birds that live longer than humans, too. People actually have to put it in their will. Oh, oh what wow. happens How with they care for their I've bird, yeah. too. Because okay. their lifespan can be. My dad so had a long. parakeet when we were kids. And he would let it fly all over the house, which I hated because the thing didn't have no bowel control. It would just poop everywhere. And I would have to clean it <laughs> <Yeah>. up. <laughs> yeah, but like. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So you remember, we, we are there any topics that are okay. off limits? Bird poop is yeah. in it. <laughs> Not really. So one thing I do want to talk about, a couple things uh, real quick. Uh, if Kathy wants to show her purse, she can. She doesn't have yeah. to, but we're going to yeah. go on. Um, you are a comedian. I am a comedian. Yeah. Um, 
I've been in some some green rooms that have been super hilarious but super offensive. Yeah. Uh, you know, most days after a comedy show, we sit around the bar and we drink up all the liquor there and yeah. hang out. Because that's trash. the only way they pay you. Yeah. Yeah. We so, get paid nothing except for bar I bills. Can, I completely yeah. understand it. Um. So with that being said, um, first of all, where is that at? I seen a comedy that you did at the Capitol, or you know, like kind of just a stand up type of thing. Do you do yeah. comedy anymore, or are you done with it completely, or you know, do you still write? You know how you I write. Going? I write all the time. That is my. My catharsis is my writing. Yeah. And when I was younger, I was so funny. I found a manila envelope of mine in the basement. <clears throat> I started doing comedy when I was 20 at MSU. I was in a improv troupe called Fresh from Detox. And we used to perform at the Hobies over on Trowbridge Road every Tuesday night. Um, it was interesting. I did the stand-up. Um, we also had folks that did the music, like the, the parody songs. Mm. So our theme song was, It's the end of my beer, so refill it. Mm. And mm -hmm. I'll feel fine. Okay. So <clears throat> my singing voice, not good after coughing. But anyway, that's how I got my start. Um, and then when I, li I lived in California for one year after I um, finished up here at MSU, I went out there. Um, I did some touring out there. Um, you know, my ex was in law school at the time. And uh, I worked and it was fun and it was wonderful. And then I came back here and, um, and did it again and got married. And I couldn't move back to California because the kid was probably at the wedding. I, was, I had a kid nine months and two days later, which was really important for the Catholics in my family. Um, but he mm. was probably at the wedding. We called him the cervical ring bearer. Mm. Mm. So firstborn kid, then boom, I had like four kids immediately. So I couldn't perform for a while because I was like, I had kids hanging off of me at all, all corners and all times of the day, but I kept writing. And kids mm. provide amazing material. Yeah. So like I had I had very raunchy sets when I was younger, and then the kids it became kid centered, and then it, and then it sort of blended life experience kids. Yep. It stayed real, so it stayed real. I always dealt with real. Like there was always a touch of real reality mm -hmm. in my humor. Mm -hmm. um, you said you make light of a situation that was. That's this. People always say to me, "That's yeah. that's hilarious story." Like, how did you come up with that? And I was like, "What do you mean, come up with that? Right. That, that, happened that happened to me, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. That happened." I'm in the audience, like, and oh that's my God, why it connects that. with people yeah. because everything that you've experienced, somebody else has experienced, right. and if, and especially if it's like a painful experience, mm. to find the humor in that and to pull the catharsis out of people mm. and give them that sense that they can have some power over. It. I mean, truly, there was an article written by me in the back in the day i don't even remember i think it you was third person an article that was nice you said huh? written, by, written me. by me did i say written by me yeah oh, instead of written, like i wrote an article <laughs> no there was an article in the lsj it was there was a there was like a there was a section like the today section which doesn't exist anymore but i was like i remember that i remember that yeah i was like above the fold big huge picture of me in a comedy show over at small planet in east mm -hmm. lansing mm -hmm. and and the the story wasn't funny like the story went kind of dark because we talked about the birth of comedy, mm. which is pain. Mm. Mm. We, uh, many, many comedians cope with pain Severe through depression, humor. A lot, yeah. And, and we depression take anxiety. things that folks might say about us. That's why self-deprecating humor is exactly. was so popular and is so dangerous now. Like mm. that's, that's like we wouldn't do half the humor we did. Back in the day, we would never do. I'll get you ate up today. You know we would never do it. Yeah. Um, but at the time, particularly the self-deprecating stuff, it was like, I'm going to call myself fluffy before you get a chance to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to walk up there and I'm going to take every flaw. I was just like the movie Roxanne. Mm -hmm. 
know? Or Eight Mile. Mile. Or Eight Mile. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See where we went there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the age gap there. It was that the age Roxanne was your I was like, uh, I don't mile. know what movie that is. But then I was like, oh, yeah, I, I got so it. I'm saying I'm 54, I'll be 40 this year. That's about right. Yeah. The age gap there. Big Boy. age gap. Yeah. But yeah, so so the the humor is definitely there. The humor is is in my everyday life. Like mm-hmm. the it's it is it saturates me at work. That's um, we're, we're funny at work. You know, I, I use humor with clients, too, mm-hmm. because when they're having the worst day of their lives, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. you got to find something. Um, so in 2021, yeah. comedy has become and I don't know. I feel like it's an impossible deed at this point. Um, I remember just in 2009 was my first time on stage. And I, some of the jokes that I told, I think about now, like and that stuff's on YouTube. You guys feel feel uh, feel. Um, you're more than welcome to go look it up because I won't I won't care or, or be ashamed. But uh, 2009, I did a show and I remember some of the jokes that I told. I had a joke uh, about a tied balloon knot and I'm not going to go on to tell you what that <laughs> what that joke was, but it would not be OK or appropriate today. It's still hilarious. It's today. hilarious. I mean, a lot of it Sorry. is. But uh, I just think back on some of that and it's like, wow, man, like, and you know, it's everyday comedy. Like, you know, I always think about so just to be straight. I always think of jokes and I have to eat it because I'm like, I can't say mm-hmm. that. Like on this show specifically, like as, much, as real as I actually am on here, I do give y'all like 95% of me, but the other five I have to hold back because then people will get in my comments and, and ask me to apologize and all those things. So it's like, it's just in your real life. I don't know where we can go with comedy anymore that it's that's that's going to be funny. Like I seen Dave Chappelle do a comedy, his most, le- his most recent one, where he talked about like LGBTQ and all of these different, and I was just watching that, like, man, they're about to murder you, bro. Like, you're, I mean, you're gonna get, and it, and I don't know what type of backlash it really was. I didn't really see it. It wasn't that bad. But when I was watching it, I was scared for him so much so that I couldn't even really enjoy the comedy. Although it was, it was hilarious, but I was just like, man, the whole time in the back of your head, you're like, ooh, what are they gonna eat? They're gonna for? eat you alive for this, bro. Like, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I think there's a, I think there's a place in the world for just being real, and it doesn't always mean that you have some type of phobias or that you're racist or any of those things, like. There's white comics that talk about, you know, black issues. And, and what is what is a Michael Michael Rappaport? Not Michael Rappaport. There's the other. But he talks about he's married to a black woman. But he always talks about like him going to black church and how these things go and everything like that. And it's like it's hilarious. But I'm watching it. Like, it's like a sketchy gray line. Like, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. But it's I mean, but that was never an issue. You know, even just 10 years ago, it wasn't like everybody was watching something like up oh, peg that two minutes, three seconds. He said. And that seems so, like where so we're at today. Back, go back 50 years. Mm. Mm. Go back 50 years. Yeah. Think about Lenny Bruce. I don't know who that is, mm-hmm. but his name sounds like he was pretty bad. Oh, or how about Andrew name. Dice Clay? See, age Hi, gap. Age you gap. said 50 years. Go back to Andrew Dice Clay. I remember my dad would put Andrew Dice Clay up on the, uh, he had a record, Andrew Dice Clay record. And I was like nine years old, eight years old. And I would listen to Andrew Dice Clay and be rolling. You know, uh, Eddie As Murphy's Raw. Yeah, like Eddie Murphy's Raw, like. Some of the things that was talked about, like they were just even today wouldn't be okay. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I was yeah, just thinking exactly. about I know that you're a comedian, I am too, so we share the same struggle yeah. of having to eat jokes in our mind all the time. I'm sure. Like anytime somebody wow. does something like, yo, I could eat so she's good because I can tell her my joke and she'll laugh. Or but I'll then like, she'll tell me that was that was messed up. Don't say that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but then like right now, tied balloon. I don't know what it is, but you are la- <laughs> you're so giggling and trying yeah. to bite it. So I know it would have been damn funny. Yeah, 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 I think it's pretty right. funny. It's just, I mean, it's pretty. Funny. Somebody would find it offensive. I mean, it's not it it's not towards reason. any group or anything like that. No. But it's 
it's one of those things that somebody <laughs> so might there's find there's a phrase it. in my life there's a phrase oh, in my life funny. that other people use for me which is damn it kathy mm. and it's when i have one of those funny moments where i just bleh, Mm-hmm. And then the folks near me go, "Damn it, Kathy!" Mm, yeah, imagine. Damn it! Don't yes. don't say that. Yeah. Don't. So I'm that. gonna tell you something. This yeah. is really funny. Uh, it's not funny, but it's really unique the, to the fact that in the in the worlds that I tell you that I kind of live in, um, the world that I'm in in this world with y'all, and I'm I don't know how to say that there's two different worlds, but you realize what I'm saying, right? Somewhat. Yeah, there can be. There can well, be. Well, there's two like... different worlds. There's this world right here where you have to be very. You know, you got to even if even though this is not politics or nothing like that, it's just, you know, the people that watch this show and people that I'm around here. And then, like, when I turn this show off and I go hang out with my people, it's a totally different environment. And I'm not talking about what do you call it? Coat switching or anything like that. I don't Mm -hmm. do that. I just have to be careful in this world. This world is a lot less forgiving. The world that I'm in, I'll be I'll be I'll tell you, like I was sitting in council the other day and I had somebody with me who was saying some stuff that I know they say all the time, but it's really is really kind of probably offensive. And I shouldn't say probably it is. And that's normal behavior, normal conversation with these people, you know, like where I'm from. And so it's like one of these, those why I think why those two worlds never connect. You know what I'm saying? It's when because, they do, they collide. Yeah, when they do, they collide. But there's definitely do two different worlds. I appreciate your stance in that world, though, because you are a person that is always trying to be like bridging that a bit. And yeah. being like, hey, yeah. and having conversations that I'm like, at you you know i'm gonna i'm gonna say something with this because mm-hmm. this is also very very important we don't do enough of learning about people mm-hmm. we don't learn where they come from mm-hmm. we don't learn their history we don't learn their trauma mm-hmm. we don't learn their triggers we don't we don't spend enough time with individuals to know what prompts them to behave or act or say the things that they do and that that is a really it's a big deal for me because there's a lot of folks who will judge things i've said Um, i have an inclination to judge things i hear but when you actually drill down to learn somebody's life history to learn their motivations to learn where they're coming from. It changes a lot mm-hmm. about how you relate to people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to tell a story. This was before I was on council. I was um, driving my car. It was after I had started organizing our neighborhood, but I wasn't like at a full-fledged neighborhood president level. You know, that's that's we I used to joke that it was like being the Mary Kate lady. It was like that was the thing. Anyway, I had two boys. I didn't have my girls yet. They were in the back seat in a car seat. I was getting off the exit at um, Martin Luther King, um, I was on St. Joe, and my one kid started coughing, and I thought he was choking on some food. Mm. And I mm. turned around, I had, I had come to what I thought was a stop. I turned around to work with this kid to try to figure out what's going on. I mean, it's a kind of a panic moment as a mom. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you're in the front seat, they're in the back seat. What do you do in this mm-hmm. time? And my foot came off the brake, and I rolled into the guy in front of me. Now, he had a nice car. I've never had a nice car. So I didn't, you know, I was upset, but I was more concerned about my kid. He came out of the car. It was like his head came unhinged. There was flames shooting out the top of his head. And he was hollering some pretty vile stuff about me. And he got to the car window and I had unrolled the window knowing he was coming, but still trying to work with my kid. And when I turned back around, our eyes met and he was like, oh, my God, it's Kathy. 
And I'm like, oh my God, it's so-and-so because he might be watching. And he said, I'm so sorry. And it was because we had built ties in the neighborhood. Mm. He was one of the people that I had been working with in the neighborhood to try to build mm. some like kids programs. and so, so we had history, right? Mm. And it really spoke to me in that moment that we, we anonymize people so often when we hide in the comments mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and we, we, we trash talk folks and we never know who they are and have no connection to them. It's so easy, even in the world of Trumpian politics, and I'm looking at your sign over here, we demonize everybody that doesn't think like us. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, a, and it's a horrible way to be mm -hmm. because you can never find common ground. There's half the people in this country supported Trump. If we can't figure out how to get along, I mean, mm -hmm. we have to, we have to figure it out. Right. I, I have a Trump supporter right now that has my sign in their yard. We spent two hours in the middle of the night talking from 1.30 to 3.30 in the morning about things. And, and I, I believe I changed his mind on some things. I believe he made me understand where he's coming from with his background and his history. We obviously don't agree on a lot of things, but the fact that we could have a dialogue convinced mm -hmm. him that out of the whole pool, I will support you mm -hmm. because yeah. I'm not going to write him off. Right. Right. I think we write off people too quickly. We don't understand. Um, and that's, that's a, you know, it's a humanistic sort of stance that I've always taken. Mm -hmm. But it really played out that day when I rear-ended that guy, you know, took my foot off the, the, the brake. He was so upset. And if I was just a random woman or man or whoever, how would that, that could have ended up in some... You got a taste of how it could You know have what's gone. so yeah. crazy is I have the... Random. Hold on a second. I got the exact... Remember I told you this story. This happened about a month ago in the exact same spot. I had, I had cut somebody off going up the exit. And when I pulled up to stop, I was watching this dude. I'm always paying around my 360. I'm watching this dude storm up. Woo. I, so I protect myself. So I, I put my protection on my lap because I didn't know what this dude was going to do or say. I realized that I had cut him off. He pulls up next to me, sharp as hell, stops, rolls his window down. You mother sees me. And he says, bro, he said, you lucky as you. I was like, you lucky as you. <laughs> But it's the same thing you just said. If it yeah. wasn't me and we didn't have that relationship, and I know this dude, and I know this yeah. dude probably would have got out the car if somebody had given him a little, I'm like, it it's just so, but that context, because we had a relationship, it was like everything stopped right then. It was like no beef, no drama, no no hard feelings. At the same intersection, off of MLK and St. Joe, same intersection. Wow. Remember I told you that? I, yeah, I laughed so hard because I was like, wow, that could have went so badly. It would have so been so bad because I wasn't, yeah, if he yeah. had a guy to acting crazy, that's why I was like, you glad it's you because if it was me, yeah. if it was anybody else, and you had came like that, like I'm, that's I'm gonna defend myself. Amazing. But it's just, you're right. It's when crazy how that goes. When you're forced to not anonymize and right. you're forced to reconcile that this is a true person in front of you, which you can't always do with a stranger. But if we just gave that pause, right. I think that's important. Well, the, the other part of the pause is we don't know what's happening. I tell my kids this all the time. You know, um, somebody did something mean. Okay. We don't know anything about what happened in their life that day. I mean, it's 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 hard mm -hmm. sometimes with, mm -hmm. especially with kids, to like get them to see beyond themselves, mm -hmm. especially to see <clears throat> into someone else. But we we would have these talks when when they were younger. Uh, we don't know. They could be going through a divorce in their family. They could be struggling in school. They could be bullied. They could be. There's a whole lot of things that we don't know, and. Um, Maybe the best thing for us to do is love them through it. Mm. Mm. Maybe that's what when when people are acting out at you, 
show the love. Yeah. yeah. It, it creates a culture of compassion, which I think we're sorely missing. And I think that John Adams uh, says, wait, this show is Mike holding back. Whoa. <laughs> I think that bit. we we've talked. We I recently feel like there knew. were some that there were some questions up there. I'm not going to show you my purse, but that, that no. is a flower. I do want to get to Heather's is, question because I yeah, think I that that's important. Too. I saw that. Heather but real on. quick, I want to talk yes. about the impact versus um, intention, because I think that that's something that at its core is something we should all live by because it's impact over intention. Right. Mm -hmm. It's always what the impact was a matter about the intention. But I think that along with that thought process, I personally think that we have to stop. You know, we, we forget that. And this is just inherently true. If you're really honest with yourself, this is true about you, too, because it's true about me. It's true about all of us. We always judge people by, you know, we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge everyone else by their actions. Mm -hmm. And that's just an inherent human trait. We walk around and we judge everybody by their actions and their words. But when it comes to ourselves, it's always our intentions. Right. So I think along with the impact verse, you know, intention, you have to remember, take a pause and say, would I judge myself this harshly? And if I wouldn't judge myself this harshly, then maybe I need to take a pause and say, let me marry the two together because we've stopped you in that. No, it's so yeah. easy to not get punched in the face today that people will just <laughs> say what they want about you. That's the thing, yo. This is where I talk about the two separate worlds. The world I'm in, you don't get to just come on somebody's comment section and do all that. Think about this comment section. If you were sitting in my green room right now, would you say that? Yeah. It's the age old thing, you know, when you're a kid, right? Is it kind? Um, is it productive? Is it necessary? Did we just all forget that? Like, yeah. Just stop. I'm just saying we were yeah. five when we learned that. But Heather's that question book is that important. everything we ever needed to know we learned in kindergarten. No, I've it heard it's that. True. It is just, true. I'll need to go back. Hey, Kathy, that. what are your thoughts about Heather Hulon? Hey, Kathy, what are your thoughts about police brutality, prevention, discipline, transparency, et cetera? Well, we know that you champion the defund police and um, that doesn't come with policy change. It just comes with money coming away from the only department that we actually have an overabundance of money in to put back into prevention instead of the, uh, you know, the, um, you know, what's the, the word? Carceral I'm looking for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The so, so what do you think about this? Okay. So I have, I have so many thoughts on this. So first of all, in my concept, I, I don't, I don't focus on defunding. I focus on appropriate funding. Mm. So for me, I am, um, I'm very budget. I'm, I'm I'm cheap too. I'm cheap. Let's just say that. I'm the I'm the, the queen, queen of the coupon. I wouldn't know that by your purse. It's a nice purse, dude. Dude, if you could, <laughs> no, I just brought the purse up because everybody I said had, maybe that's when I should have chewed. I you was see what carrying saying? a purse that my mom had given me. Like I remember 12 that purse. I talked to you about. You that told purse. me it was trash. It no, was, I didn't say trash. I just said, said if trash. you're gonna run for mayor, we're gonna have to get a different purse. Get a different bag. So. <laughs> The, the, the no faux leather was coming off. I, mean, I think it was in like a Nine West. I think it was a brand. At some a point. At some point. It but it had brand. sentimental value. It had sentimental value, but it was falling apart. Yeah. And so I, I, I picked this one, which was also from my mom um, that I carry around now, which probably doesn't match anything that I wear, but I don't really care about matching. I wear Birkenstocks. I, you get to the business of it. Yeah. So I police accountability. So police accountability. So that's, let's go there because... So when I talk about funding issues, I, for me, it's appropriate funding. I, if we are continuing to put money into a department, any department, that is not achieving outcomes, mm -hmm. if, 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 if we're not making things better in any department, we either have to change what we're doing in that department 
or change where we focus our efforts, mm -hmm. like to achieve that in a different realm. Right. Okay. So what I've seen right now in the police department is there's an, the performative, we're going to do some training. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to, we're going to do some policies, you know, no chokeholds, no whatever. But the culture of the police department has not changed. Right. So, so even if they break those policies, there's nothing to stop them right. from doing it more right. and more and more. So, so you, I think maybe you said it before, you can't train away racism, mm -hmm. right? If somebody has it in their heart, they're not, you're not going to teach them to behave differently when they're right. in a high stress situation. That's always going to come out. Nope. You're going to rise to who you are and what you and yeah, you will come you're gonna out. Resort yep. to default. So, so for me, I'm, I'm looking at, um, and I've said this before, crime is born of poverty and inequity mm -hmm. and violent crime is born of trauma mm. and until we address poverty inequity and trauma on the front end you're always going to be chasing crime on the back end yeah mm. as long as the system is inequitable and the pandemic made it worse the pandemic made it so much worse that the economic situation for certain families in our community got so much worse than it was and folks who did have access to pandemic relief got elevated mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. the folks who had to work through the entire pandemic oh they got pounded they got pounded yeah they didn't get their extra money from unemployment these these essential workers work in crappy wage jobs mm -hmm. not all employees are crap but in general um they they struggled mm -hmm. and now housing prices are through the roof yep. yeah all the rents have gone up. Yep. Mm -hmm. So people, I mean, I was just talking to a young man on Facebook the other night. It's it, like folks, landlords are looking for three times mm -hmm. your rent, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was mm -hmm. doing the math. Like at minimum wage, he can't afford to, the average rental unit yep. in this city he is close to a grand. Yep, about 900 bucks. He can't you make that. You have $2,700 in order to move into some place. After taxes. Yeah. He can't do it. So, so all of these, th there's a whole lot that needs to happen um, systemically, environmentally, to to address this at the front end. But also, I mean, how do we police? Mm -hmm. What do we want police to do? Yeah. What is it that we want to call police for? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I don't like the idea that I have to get a policeman to visit my vehicle if I got hit because to make an insurance claim, I have to have a police report. Yep. Mm -hmm. There has to be a different way to organize that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we should we should not have there's there's so many things that we should be able to report online in order to get a number to submit to insurance. Right. Like you guys that. both have a fender bender, minor damage, but you can't leave the scene because that's a crime. So if you guys decide that you're going to just share each other's information is one thing, but even then they're going to be like, well, where's the police report and yeah, so on and so forth. That's, a that's what they, that's, that's what they do. Or your insurance. So want let me ask and you And the other thing is the, the, the contact. So, so Heather, I'm so glad that you're watching. Um, the, if the policies don't change, if the training doesn't happen regularly, mm. it's out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Mm. It gets out of sight, out of mind. So, Yes, we made policy changes, but how often are we doing trainings? How often are we talking to folks about implicit bias? By the way, yes, we should have implicit bias training. Should mm. it be taught by the existing chief of police? Mm. Probably not. No. You know, there's 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 a lot to be said for the separation um, for I the think, trainings. I think the police problem, honestly, is so it's funny when they talk about policy changes because there are some policies that probably need to change, but the biggest thing that I've noticed is their accountability. 
And that's going to be the hardest thing to fix because even when you asked for, when you asked for the fire department's disciplinary, uh, um, you know, all the disciplinary records, it's going to be skewed. It's going to be all, it's going to be mostly. And so what I'm saying is what gets written down is going to be mostly minorities, but the justifications what i'm trying to say is that when in the fire department as well as the police department when white people mess up just like um not discernment but um why i can't think today um i'm not it's gonna not menopause it. that's my excuse no 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 <laughs> not not for me i think that might have been a damn it um <laughs> what is the word i'm looking for i always talk about police oh, use discretion. discretion discretion is always used with white folks and what i'm saying by that is there's you're going to get disciplinary stuff, but that doesn't mean that white folks didn't get in trouble or that there weren't very serious things that happened. And then you won't be able to see like how the discipline was rolled out differently. So discretion is always used. And so in the police department, what I'm saying is no matter how much data we get, it's not going to be factual because how many white officers beat up somebody and then, or did something crazy. And there's no record. There's no record of it. So that's the mm-hmm. problem. And so there's the, the, the that's that's a problem. This is why I keep saying and I want to get your take on this before we get off of here. But that's the, the problem with getting a police chief from inside the ranks, because you have somebody who's come up and in, in fire and police is the same thing. They hire on. They do 25 years and they're out and they all hire on in this group. And with, with the way that the way the promotions go, they all kind of get promoted together and they're all in this line. They're not going to tell on each other. And the younger people, the, the newer people to the program aren't going to tell on them either because they know that retribution and retaliation comes after that. So you have this issue of a white officer will, you know, fudge a document or do something like Charles Funk has a lawsuit against the city of Lansing right now where it's it's been proven through deposition that officers were fudging um, reports. And lying, and when he to when he brought it to get to substantiate, arrest. yep, to substantiate unlawful arrest, and he names the people that were doing it. None of those people have taken discipline. They're all just fighting in litigation in civil court. But these people actually sent people to jail that shouldn't be there because they they re, redid these you know reports. So my point is with that, if I was to do that as a black officer, I'm gonna be fired immediately, no question asked. And so you're not gonna get a true picture of disciplinary like meaning that. Mike Lynn did this and such and such did the same thing. He was given 10 days off. He was only given two. You won't get that because that guy would have never got his situation brought. Like I'm, they brought it mine. Won't, it won't come to the level where it's on paper. So yes, yeah, so what I'm saying is well, that's, we'll learn that if we get the data. I mean, that's, that's one of the but things, but you won't hear about it because the guy that shows up late every day, drunk, and then gets to go sleep it off in the room. That would get me fired. That's that going to get him to say, Oh, just go, just go sleep that off. You're good. Or, you know, we're not going to put this on paper. We're just going to sit down. So what I'm saying is it's going to be so hard to fight what Heather is asking because there's no consequence for their actions. And internally, they will hide the stuff. So I'm just trying to figure out. This is what I said to the fire department. This is what I said to the fire department. I wrote them a a page, like a two page letter when they asked me what type of rules I think could be put in place. And I and I said this. If they're if a, a superior is being found to have overlooked a disciplinary issue because of personal relationships or whatever, then they are being held accountable. And that's a fireable offense in itself. So then you got people who have to start thinking about my job. If I overlook you coming in here drunk, if I overlook you having a fight at the bar and I don't discipline you, then that'll come on me if it ever gets told. So meaning all the issues that I know about that I brought to the table on the fire department and said, hey, they allowed them to do this and nobody ever got in trouble. 
If I can prove that they allowed him to do that, then that superior officer who watched it, witnessed it, or hit it now gets in trouble. They'll stop doing that. Creates accountability. That's accountability. You're not going to be able to hold them accountable for each little issue, but you can hold them accountable for overlooking issues. And there's nothing in play like that, like a duty to report. And that's what I said about superiors. Like if somebody comes through, like I went to superiors multiple times before I ever went to HR and told them about the discrimination I was dealing with. And they all would just talk me down. Like, are you sure you want to go and do that? Are you, you sure? Know what's gonna but happen. but if you put a rule in place, and I think there's a policy that is in place, they just don't go it's for like it. It's like mandatory reporting. Yes, mandatory reporting. If somebody comes to you and tells you an issue, there's no question whether or not it goes to HR. Now it's your duty to take it. If you don't take it, you can be in trouble. But so we know it's the, not being enforced even in this right. moment because we know that several issues of uh, discrimination and retaliation have been reported to well dave odom came to you guys yeah, at city council and told yeah. you he's currently going through discrimination it feels like so, he's working in a hostile work environment to, all people who heard that who have not acted on it should be they're found guilty exactly. of discipline they need discipline because you haven't done anything factual. about an issue that's happening he we all seen it you know so this chiefs and all the superiors are over top of him and hr who haven't done anything if there was a duty to act then they should be do you get what i'm saying and I this do. is how you hold accountability yeah. for the I people do. who don't report you can't do it always on every little situation that you don't know about. But when you find out about a situation happen and then you ask for the paperwork and there is none, who was the superior on, on point mm-hmm. at that day? Yeah. That's where the accountability comes That's from. That's it. Yeah. So another thing that I would I would bring up as well is, again, the change in the organizational culture over there um, and the officer's uh, code. Yeah. Okay. So what I was told last year remember we 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 had this old discussion about the five officers versus the nine Mm -hmm. funded vacancies Mm -hmm. why did we accept a grant that's going to obligate us to another one point god knows what million dollars Mm -hmm. to hire five newbies when we have more than nine i mean nine was just the patrol and the investigation groups that had not been hired for the last i don't even know how many months over almost two years probably Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. um, what we were told is Nobody is going to want to work in policing in the era of George Floyd and BLM. Hmm. That's what we got. We can't we can't find anybody. We can't hire anybody. Hmm. Nobody wants to be a cop. And so I said, well, what are you advertising life as a cop is? Like, because for me, the era of BLM and the era of George Floyd, what that did to change policing was to change a lot of the policies that were used to kill people. Mm-hmm. So, so they don't so they're so, mad they can't kill yeah, people. So like you're upset because you can't find applicants that want to do these harmful things. Right. You think that the pool is now like lower because we're going to prevent you from doing these chokeholds or right. no knock warrants or whatever else. That is stupid. Right. There are people here in the city, people of color, young people of color that were wanting to go into law enforcement. Mm-hmm. That would have been great, mm-hmm. but they look at the environment in that in that in, department. In that department, and they're like, "Uh, uh-uh. uh." So they're they're it's, they're thinking it's not safe for them. They're projecting Absolutely. out that it's a problem out here when the problem is people don't want to work there is because y'all are the problem. Exactly. The problems are here. They don't want to work here. So this is what we should be doing. like. We're paying. We're paying. I don't know what sixty grand to some consultant firm, firm. in California mm-hmm. yeah. with sixty years combined experience which means two retired police chiefs probably like started a company. And I don't doubt that they're probably doing really, you know, um, in-depth searches for folks. But for me, somebody asked me, what would you be looking for in another chief? What would you be recruiting for? I would be recruiting officers and a chief that want to abide by 
you know, do no harm. Yeah. When 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 and when it whenever possible, de-escalate. Don't do harm. Right. Um. I, I just think that there there has to be a pool of applicants that would want to. It's just that it's going to take cycling through the existing yeah. mentalities that are in there and repopulating well, the old, it with folks who can. So when I bring came in to the vision. fire department and I rolled through the process of not not having any training, they paid for me to go to school and everything. The Lansing Police Department brought a group through too, of just citizens from the city of Lansing that wanted to be a police officer and they they what they their idea that. And this was actually uh, Verge's Verge's um, thing that he did. He said that I want to hire people who are good people that I can teach how to be a police officer or a firefighter. And so they had, I believe they hired 20 some people, 25 people in my class. And out of those seven of them were untrained. And then there was a couple others that didn't have everything that they sent through. And then the police department, I believe they had like 12 or 13 that they sent through the academy. And you got people right from the city right you know went to the schools here grew up born and raised here you got points you got points for if you went to college or if you went to high school here if you were a natural you know or citizen of the city you know for a certain amount of years you got points and that that all applied to like you know your rank system of getting hired and if you were a community activist you know like activism or not activism what am i looking for engagement engagement like Mm -hmm. i was a football coach at the time at sexton i i went to school at sexton i you know, Which means you're connected home. to yeah. the community. And it was so a more this, equitable This is process. how they hired the people into these two groups. And um, so this was like that. I thought it was it was an amazing and it was an amazing program. And so what I know is when Andy got in office, he cut that whole program out, no longer hiring that way. And then through all of our advocacy and activism, guess what just happened? They brought it back. They did it again. Silently. <laughs> And it's the same exact thing. And they hired people that have nothing. They're going to send them to school and get them trained up. They're going through the academy at the fire department right now. I think there's 19, I think they hired something like that. And of those, I believe seven are minorities, black. And so, you know, it's just, I think there's ways that we can do something with what we have if we really want to. And we're not just going to be bullheaded and stubborn. Like, I think there's ways to do it. It was really, that's what Telefero. And uh, I think a verge had came out openly and stated you're having problem getting problems getting minorities in, but what are you doing like to try to affect that change? You know, like what are you doing? And so when we talk about Lansing as a whole and people wanting to work here, who would want to work in an environment where, especially the fire department, where you know right now there's eight people that have had to sue the city, mm. not because they've had to sue them because they won't you won't do nothing about the racism. Yeah. So that that has a lot to do with people. You know, getting online and saying, oh, Lansing Police Department's hiring. Let me look that Lansing up. And then they come on there, eight lawsuits from the city and the mayor's like, but we're the problem. We're the reason why they don't want to work here. Like, I wouldn't go work at Myers if Myers had a problem with discrimination. I don't know. I don't care how much money they was paying. So I just feel like that's just like, why why do we we always want to project out what the issue is? And and I've said this over and over again with the mayor's office anyways, that like all of these studies he's doing are looking everywhere, but in the where the problem's seated at, like. When you go into a house fire after it's burned, it burned the whole house down. But there's always going to be a spot. This is what inspe- inspectors do. There's always going to be a spot that they can see where the heat started because it's it's going to be deeper layers of burn and so on and so forth. And it's like it would be like an inspector going in and just looking all around the building. It's like, ah, you know what? This is just the whole thing's on fire. But we not, don't have an ignition. Point. We don't have an ignition yeah. point. There's no ignition point to where this problem happened, and I don't want anybody going back in that house. It's boarded up. To we don't want. Don't, I don't even want you to investigate. No. That's exactly what the mayor's going to deal with his fire. In every the city time of we have this conversation, 
all I can picture is propaganda. Do y'all remember the scene from Black Sheep where he's like, it hurts here and here, just all around here. Remember when he no, he said it doesn't hurt up here yeah. or down here. It's not but so like, much down here. It's but like right, right here in this here. issue. It's like we're like, no, it's right there. We yeah. can see it. It's no, right your problem's there. over there, Andy. No, 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 no. That's Seriously, what it always it's, makes it's me right think there. Of. That's your problem. Yeah. There, there is a, uh, I'm gonna call it a video meme, um, that I watched that I a long time ago, and there's a woman who is talking to her her partner and she's saying i got this terrible headache it's it's horrible and 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 he's like well what about she's like just just listen just listen i didn't tell you how bad it is and then it goes on and on and on and there's a freaking nail sticking out of her head mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's right he's there to, like, and he's like he's and he's trying to like point it out and she's like no 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 don't you you always make it about you yeah um you know and it's this it's whole thing right like, he's like but but if you just just pull the nail out of your yeah. head what we're dealing with right now yeah so, uh, so um other things we got to talk about we're gonna we're gonna probably just do nine more minutes we're gonna get off here at 10 30 but i do want to give you a chance to talk about the big elephant in the room and the issues that you had with uh, rena risper um mm. it all started here this is where rena came on the show and yeah. all of that took place here so being yeah. that we have this 180 now that you're in the seat um i'll give you a chance to speak on it if you want to um, it's up to you, but it's definitely something that has been, I know it had to be life changing for you, uh, especially going in the fact that you're running for mayor and this thing pops out, speak on it. I mean, I, we've, we've heard a lot about it in the city pulse. They love to write about these type of things. She has actually been, um, rightfully so, uh, protesting, protesting city pulse and, you they, know, yeah. they, they definitely deserve they that. It. But outside of that, what do you have to say on it? I mean, what would, what, what would the people need to hear from you? in regards to this. So this is such a tragic situation. It really is for me. Um, because I, I really did not see it coming. I didn't, I didn't, you know, you think about it when you, before you put your name in a race, you go, okay, everybody's coming for your skeletons. And I know a lot of my skeletons. That one was not a skeleton that, that, mm -mm. so, so here's what happens. I, I read after I, I announce that I'm running and like 500 people jump on the page and they're like, woohoo, yay. And then I hear from a reporter, I didn't even read it. I was doing an interview the next day and a reporter said to me, what do you have to say about this? And at the time, I think he mentioned um, a term that I had used and something else. Um, oh, and, and another woman talking about touching somebody. And I thought, okay, this is bullshit. This is politically motivated. This is crap. And, and then I sat with it. I sat with it for a long time. Because I did say the word buckwheat. I did. When I was a kid, I was called Buckwheat. I had the most naturally curly hair at the school, and everybody made fun of it for me because my mom took me to a hair salon that was like steel magnolias. I didn't know what to do with it, but pick it out, and I just, I had the white kid fro. And I had used that term in front of her. So I knew it, I, and I, I thought, you know what? I put in my first post that I am going to run as a completely different type, type of mayor and when there's a mistake made, we're gonna be accountable and we're gonna talk about it. So I wrote this post 
that said, I've said some things and I did some things. I don't remember touching somebody's butt, but in your girlfriend group, it's very possible that it happened. It wasn't done in a sexual way, but I thought, okay, so I'm, I'm sure that I have said things and I've done things that landed impact versus intent, right? That I didn't know at the time. I mean, thinking back to all the comedy, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are things that if I look back on them today, somebody was probably harmed by what I said from the stage. Mm-hmm. Somebody sat there and laughed uncomfortably because everybody else was laughing but didn't feel that it was funny. Yeah. I get that. And so I, I wrote about it. And I said, I learn as I go. And when I know better, I do better. And I don't use that word anymore. And then the next day, I see your show. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where did that come from? Like, the it, it went from using that term to so many other things, which I had no clue. Like, never had heard. Um, I mean, I guess we'll just say it. It's elephant in the room. Um, she claimed that I propositioned her. Um, didn't happen. She claimed that the N-word, that was what you came on my page about. Remember mm-hmm, that? Mm-hmm. Because what you just said, I I heard an admittance of all of this stuff mm-hmm. in your yeah. original text. But what you're saying is that you didn't know all those accusations no. were out there. So when I came no. on your page, I was like, yo, so you did do that? And then we yeah. had our little go back and yeah, forth. Yeah. You're admitting to blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't realize I didn't realize the extent of the accusations that were being made um, when I wrote that piece. And so I was really glad when you came on and we had that dialogue because you said, you know, I'm I removed my comments because I didn't leave room for understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been trying to reconcile this, like the room for understanding. Um, I don't I don't know what the motivation is behind it. I can't guess. Um, I, I tried to guess, and it's it's not up to me to to assume why. All I can say is that um, I personally am a survivor, and it is insulting to me that somebody would go into survivor spaces and make this claim. based on even what she said in the beginning like (coughs) she was my friend we were very close i mean i can't even i mean we were so close we did things together we like ate dinner at people's houses we we went out for drinks every week um we i i just it was it's so weird to me that this is coming up now i don't i don't know um I don't know what to say about it except that all of this supposedly happened before I was on council. I wasn't even an elect. I wasn't even running at the time. I mean, I started running while I knew her, but she endorsed me. She wrote glowing articles about me in her paper. Um, She was at my victory party the first time. We had a falling out after I was in office for maybe a couple months. And then I never spoke to her again. Like, I've literally not spoken to her again. She ran for my seat in 2009. We were opponents in the same election. This didn't come up. 
Um, I ran again in 2013. I ran again in 2017. It didn't, it was never mentioned. Um, so I really did not see it coming. Um, and I don't know, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I, um, I mean, that's your, your, your truth. So, I mean, that's just what the platform is for. I mean, we brought her on to tell her truth and now you're here to tell your truth and then people can discern that you know, how they feel about it. That's just really what it can be. Especially in the space as a political candidate, it's it's naive to think it's not going to come up and you aren't going to have to answer the question. No. And you've answered it several times. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've watched the videos because I always like to hear, obviously I heard the initial part, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so I've, I've read all of the pieces as well to you. So I thought it was important to give you the space because we always say that we have given space to a lot yep. of people. Um, and we will continue to do so. I think that the um, the thing that's throwing me on this scenario is how it's evolving. Hmm. So if you look at the initial comments that were made with you mm-hmm. and look at the news articles, the online ones, the the posts, the the things that were printed, the story is evolving. So I that I can't that 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 is suspect to me. Mm. Um, you know, it, it's, I'm not going to go into details about how graphically different it is now, but the, the versions have changed significantly over time. And so, you know, all I can say is that in the realm of politics, I mean, your whole life is an open book. Um, but in this particular situation, this was a friendship that went south. And um, it's weird that it is, it has become fodder for such discussion um, about this. Um, do you think that it's overshadowed like what you're trying to do do you think that um it's really put a hamper on you and being able to to move forward in the beginning i was spending more time talking about that issue than i was about like what i want to do for lansing Mm -hmm. and that was frustrating to me so so it is it is hard for me to um i'm glad that i'm in spaces now where we're talking about the meat of a platform and a vision for the city Mm -hmm. and a plan for changing the culture down there and and solid ideas for dealing with uh how uh, the unhoused uh, folks in our city or affordable housing attainable housing gun violence um all the things that matter um and yes potholes somebody said to me just recently why aren't you talking about the roads i'm like Uh, we have very limited money yeah. and and kids triage are dying. people We're, and kids <laughs> are dying kids are dying that. kids are dying like yeah you might have lost a tie rod but i don't want to go to a funeral yeah you know i and i thought that was really powerful what you did mm, at council. council yeah i didn't see that coming so michael comes down during public comment when we ask are there any announcements for special events and it was right after um, the majority of council members voted down even considering that funding for advanced peace. And you said, I'm going to invite you to the next funeral. Mm-hmm. Don't know when it'll be. Don't know where it'll be, but there'll but be we one. Know it, yeah, we know it'll be. And you all invited to understand what your, you know, your guys' no vote just did. The implications of all of this has. Yeah. Yeah. So, so hmm. um, I guess, I mean, we're... I, I just so much that I would like to say about this whole topic. Um, and I just, I just feel like, and I don't want to do it. Whose situation is worse, but I look at it like 
you know, the way that the world works, and this is me being real candid, y'all can be mad if you want. The way that the world works, it just is really surprising to me that when something like, you know, the accusation comes out, and that's just what it is, ultimately, anybody who makes an accusation can make it, and it can be true or it cannot be true, but it is what it is until proven that it's, that it's what it is. This is why even Nassar, who had multiple accusations, still had to go through a trial, and he had to be found guilty. But it's funny to me that in 2021, the accusation is all that's needed at this point. And that's so scary as a black man. I'm be honest with you. Like, it's scary. It's really, I don't go in any rooms by myself with women, and I'll take her with me because I don't want to be in a situation where somebody can just make an accusation. And I'm not saying by accusation that what somebody is saying is not true. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that at the day and time when we are now, that can just be it. It can come out on the Internet one day, and it could just be your life could be just done with nothing at past that. And the only thing that would solve, in my opinion, with politics in play is the only thing that solves in it that makes it stop is that you don't run for politics and then everything just kind of just moves how it goes. Verge is dealing with something totally different. His situation, I was in court, the young lady filed a lawsuit. So we're going to find out all of that situation and all those issues. But it's still just an accusation at this point. Like, I've been accused of a lot of things in my life. I've been accused of breaking in houses and cars and stealing cars and all of these different things. Um, but they still have to be proven. And I just didn't lose my whole life because of the accusation. Somebody can accuse somebody of murder right today. And that's like, you know, we've seen it happen with Carol Wood's mother. They found a guy, accused him. He sat in jail for, I believe, three years when they ended up finding the guy that actually did it. That was an accusation. And it eventually came out to not be true. And the man was released and so on and so forth. But it's just that. I think that people take accusations to a whole nother level these days, that that's all it needs to be. And to touch on something somebody said in here when they asked the question, I'm going to touch on it just real quick. Brian James came in and said, am I going to apologize to the LGBT community for my very, let me find it so I can just bring it up. Um, I'm going to get it right here. Unrelated, will you be making an apology to the LGBT community at large? Your comments to Peter were super gross. I'm behind on the news. I'm not going to watch, but the casual misogyny and homophobia was gross. That's an accusation that I was being homophobic, that I made my statement on my show right here, not to Peter Spatter for anybody else, that it was homophobic. This was a this is a general accusation. This is exactly what Kyle did when he texted me about it that I didn't have any idea. Framed that. the entire conversation. He around. framed the conversation and questioned me. Don't you believe that's homophobic? I find that really homophobic that you would say that. Really like that. And you know, it was I was caught off guard completely. That's an accusation that I'm that I said what I said to him because I'm homophobic. Look around here. So uh, my 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 question is. You know, I I apologize on this show, Brian. You don't watch the show. I'm sorry you didn't hear my apology, but that's not it's not for you. And I'm I've told not to be defensive about this question, but I don't work for you. It's not my goal to make you happy, Brian. I apologize for my comment that I was not aware was a uh, that could be taken that way on this show. And I reached out to Peter Spatterford directly and apologized for him or to him for my comments. That's all that's that's all that's deserving. No, Brian, you don't get that from me, bro. I'm sorry. And you don't get to come on my show and try to hold accountability for me. I've already taken that on my own. I went and told P 
Peter to him to his face that I apologize. So you don't know. You don't get that. And I'm not finna be subject to that to nobody. So what I'm saying is the accusation that that whole LGBT community is asking of that for me. Well, it's the implication yeah. of that question, I think, right. is more important to state. So the implication. No, Brian, I'm not finna do that for you. I've already done no. it on this show and I it, called Peter and told him I apologize directly. Mm -hmm. That's it. You're not finna try to make an accusation that Mike Lynn's homophobic because I'm far from it. And so that's, that's what not what we're going to do here. And this is what I'm talking about in 2021, that people can just do stuff like this and try to rile up the whole community to believe that you are just that. And it's that easy, really. Like if he wanted to just walk out of this and say, yep, Mike said yes, 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 he's just this. That thing will grow. That conversation may be the only grow. So on that note, yeah, um, I don't watch the videos, but somebody sent me a shot from a Facebook page of one of the protests that was happening outside of City Pulse mm -hmm. that mentioned me. Mm -hmm. And there's a woman I've never met um, holding a sign that compares me to Nasser. Mm. And I've heard that com the comparison to Epstein. What is his name? Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein. Yeah. And some other, like that, that circulating, um, it's hurtful beyond belief because that's absolutely not um, even close to reality. And, and it's really hurtful for me as somebody who has worked in survivor spaces and, um, and who works with populations that are attacked, vulnerable, are homeless women. It's an mm. awful situation. Oh, so th mm. there's long stories. But, but the idea that that, 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 that hyperbole has gone from um, you hit on me. It's not even a you touched me or you, you nothing. Like you hit on me became I am on the same level as like and a serial predator was a term that was used. Serial? Serial? It's dangerous. It's huge. Accusations are dangerous these days. I mean they're huge. They're like yeah. I'm like I'm like okay so let's take away all that like it's whenever time this happened 16 years ago <laughs> what serial implies something way different yeah. right um and even if like we're going to go play devil's advocate because you didn't know at the time that you said that mm -hmm. what you meant like mm -hmm. what you were saying that you didn't realize that was a uh, homophobic Well first of all I didn't you know you don't think about somebody's sexuality when you're when you're saying something, I mean, it just wasn't my thought that that I was talking on a sexuality. That's right, why right. I was saying too, like when I was at council that same night, <laughs> the person I had with me was saying some super offensive things, uh, but they don't attach those to sexuality in our culture, in our world. You'll hear words that are used that in, in this world are very, very derogatory, but they're used in our world. It's just like the way we call ourselves the N word. It's something that we use as a term of endearment. Or like I say, dude, my dude. This is something I had to really be careful with. You know, in, in in other realms that I'm in, like when I'm advocating for people, I had somebody tell me I was at the BLM, uh, the BLM mural while they was painting it. And, you know, there were some people from the LGBT community there, community there. And somebody walked up to me and it was like, I really appreciate what you do in the community and what you're doing. You know, thank you so much for standing with us to protect us. I was up there with an AR and everything protecting this whole group that was there and um i said no problem my dude i appreciate you and when he walked up when when this person walked up i said my guy 
this is how I talk though. Like if I see some extra term and endearment, like what's up my dude or my guy or, you know, I'm like, yo, you know, like what the, what the hell my guy or, you know, like this is how I talk. And so I was in conversation with this person and then they walked away and then they came back and was like, hey, hey, you know, I'd appreciate if you wouldn't address me as man or dude, you know, I'm, you know, such and such and such. And I was like, I was, I had to go have a talk with my mentor. Like, what, what, I just don't know. I didn't, I, the way that, this is what I try to say about these pockets and the pocket that I'm in, I would never get called on for calling somebody my dude that like that. And so I'm not saying it's right in that realm, but I'm just saying that I, you know, people are working on these things and they're trying, but when you get a one hitter quitter and it's like, that's it, it's you're the just one hitter done. Quitter, that's it. And we talk a lot. We use, I use, yeah. we use the term unlearn. There's a lot of unlearning that people are still doing yeah. in these times. We all are. Yeah. yeah it's so, it's the one hitter quitter though, that in 2021, like what Brian James just tried to do to me on my own show, that's a one hitter quitter. Like, mm-hmm. I know you've done all these things. You, I know you went on the city pulse and apologized. I know you went right to uh, Peter and apologized. I know you came on my show and apologized. That's not enough for me, though. I need more. I need more. Here's the thing. You didn't know any of that, though. No, and he said so that. the way um, that you said what? No, he said that. He didn't know none of this stuff. Did I did, did any of this? Oh, I didn't see that. But the initial um, verbiage, though, indicated to me that it didn't matter whether he did or did know anything about it. It was more or less, I'm going to stand up here from a place of simply pure judgment and say this thing. And that's always going to be the issue that I have. And I've said this so many times that we don't live in a place of restorative anymore. And I've said so often that we have just become accustomed to throwing people away, that it's become second nature to to us and that is a really dangerous place to be in yeah kelsey yeah well that's what i did say actually when 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 this person said that to me i was in shock because i had never been i had never been told that before so i was just like i I said i was sorry and i apologize and then we continued to talk for a second then they walked off but that was a moment that people have i had to go back started the yeah but that's what i'm saying like about all the phrases that you've grown up with Oh, that yeah. in your circle don't mean what they mean in another circle. Right. The language is different. I learned that my grandpa swore up and down, swore up and, down and could string them together. But he strang, wor- strang, strang, strung words together that in conjunction with each other are homophobic. Mm. Mm. That's it. I don't. I didn't know that till yeah. years later. Yeah. Thinking back on what my grandpa said. Mm. I learned to say those things because you just say what you what you hear an adult say something when they're upset or hurt or angry and you don't really know. It's like church. Okay, Catholics, here we go. How many times did you say the Our Father as a kid before you actually paid attention to the words that you were saying? It's almost like Abba singing in English. It's phonetic. Mm-hmm. It's like you're saying, oh, Lord, Lord, yeah. you know. I can't even remember. Phonetically repeating. Good yeah, phonetically. You. You've gotten out <laughs> I've of, unlearned it. Yeah, you've unlearned it. No, I've unlearned it. it. But it's good. like, Lord, let, I am not worthy to receive you, but only say the word and I shall be healed. So, like, I remember, I can remember a lot of the ritual, mm-hmm. but I never paid attention to what it meant. The meaning, the context. Because of... it was just what you said when this thing happened. Mm-hmm. So, I grew up, my mom was a nurse. My dad was a sailor. He was illiterate. <laughs> he cussed like a sailor. Oh, That's crazy. No, but listen, listen. My mom could swear way. So I would say my dad was a sailor, but I learned to swear like a nurse from yeah. my mom, yeah. right? Because so that so the unlearning part is 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 what's necessary. I said I've said many things in my life that I didn't know. Like even just um, 
a few, few years ago, I've used this example before, I was on the city council at the time and I was trying to, <coughs> I wasn't referring to a person, I was referring to a concept. And I said, while I was on the dais, okay, we need to just call a spade a spade. Mm. And, and somebody gave me the side eye and said, well, if that's what you want to do. And I didn't get it. I didn't, I didn't know. And so I had a conversation with a couple other people mm -hmm. and I was like, what did I say that was wrong? Like what? And they're like, well, it could be interpreted as racist. Mm. And I said, well, what about it? And they said, well, spade was a name that was used as a derogatory term for black people back in the day. And I was like, okay, I didn't get that calling a spade a spade, that context, mm -hmm. the etymology, which means calling something what it is, mm -hmm. that using the term could be considered derogatory. Right. So I came back to council the next week and said, look, I, I did some research. I talked to some people. I had no idea. I won't use that. I didn't know that. Like I would not. It was not. And, and then I had a couple people. I that, say that all the time. <laughs> and, and, and maybe you. and maybe in certain circles the, the sensitivity isn't there for it and they wouldn't notice or call it out like it was yeah. in in that circle with me yeah um but the idea is you respect it once you know mm -hmm. like it is about impact it is about mm -hmm. how something lands so if somebody takes the time to tell you mm -hmm. what you said was harmful mm -hmm. what you said can be interpreted in this way and is very harmful to a community right um or even just to me you do better yeah, that's all you can that's do. That's all you can do. You just learn that's and you do all better. That's all you can do. And I think that the righteous folk who believe that you can't do better, are just, I've said this on my show from day one. I've always talked about this. I'm always open for accountability and then moving forward. That's how I work. And how you react to the accountability yes. and what that process looks like is really yeah. important. That's how it we for move me. forward. And I, I'm just never going to be the person that's like, they said this and I'm just done with you completely forever. If you come out and say, well, I did, it's like, like my situation, I wasn't aware that that was a term. Mm -hmm. And so like the term that was used, I was even stuck on the wrong word as being the problem. And There's then a I, whole lot of I was there. like, well, this this word, I could see maybe them thinking that, but this word, I didn't think that was the problem. Research. That was the problem was that one. So when the research came in and I read it, I was like, oh, I didn't, I just didn't know that. Mm -hmm. It's just a disrespectful term in my, and where I'm from, you call somebody that, that's just disrespectful. You just telling them like, I don't respect you. It has nothing to do with their sexuality whatsoever. So I, when I put that and learned, I was like, okay, well, I get that. I can get why that could be seen that way. But I feel also like I've never heard that word be used as a derogatory term. Not to say that it's not bad, but I've never heard it. So when you talk about the Nassar correlation, it feels the same to me. I didn't call anybody the F word or you know, use any type of, I didn't, that's not what that was. So for them to, for, for that to be like, that was severely homophobic and it hurt my heart to the core. I can't believe you would do that. That's why I said the implication and the way that it's framed is important. That's what I'm saying. And it's even like, you know, with some of the responses from it, you know, I think that even some of that was played out. Like me and this person, you know, we got to figure it out and I apologize, but even kind of the way that they had took it or, you know, had said about it in, you know, in the city Paul. So well, I thought it was like, yeah. And I, I have to wonder how that conversation went. I just have to, because well, I always consider the source of how that conversation was framed yeah. and asked, because we have to remember that that article and the request for comment came before a whole he, lot yeah, of Yeah, before stuff. the person had even known that yeah. this was said. So we have to remember that as well. But it's just that, you know, like the, the like you said, um, I think that sometimes in the political world, let me just say this. In the political world, things get amped to a thousand 
when it wasn't really that it's polarized to the point where it's like a thousand and then you know to match that to match that um you know that energy you know i think this is where i don't know i don't know if i want to say that but anyways at the end of the day things get get amped up and you're you're, you know that the nassar type of um as far as that's concerned like i i a lot of times talk about andy shore and nassar in the same words because it's something where a lot of people knew about this situation and did nothing about it. That's why I talk about him in that realm. Not that he's a sexual predator, that he did any of these things I to nobody. I think you make it pretty clear what the I make it clear is. that a lot of people knew about Nassar for a very long time and allowed it to happen. And then this is what ends up happening. More people got hurt. Uh, you know, yeah. you guys end up you paying out $300 million. Yes, that's the correlation to Nassar with Andy Shore is that a lot of people know that this stuff is going on and they're upholding it. That's That's the reason. It's not him specific. But for your situation and this situation, that was a very specific, and that's kind of hard. That's like, it's just a tough one. Like, I just, that's why I say, like, there's this this level of what rises to the to homophobic, or did you do a homophobic yeah. thing, or did you do, like, something that's, that's sexual predator in nature that they need to put your name next to Larry Nassar's. So that's, it's just a difficult point. But I I'm glad that you're being able to move forward. I'm glad that, uh, you know, we need candidates that are going to be able to run up against this monster. And I'm hoping, and I'm going to say this here, I'm hoping that whoever makes it through the primary, that we come together and figure out a way because the harm that's coming out of downtown right now is just way too much. It's way too much. Uh, and I, I hate to use the term anybody's better, but like at this point, we have to feel that way coming out of this primary that whoever well, makes it out. even if we frame it as like a change, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a change. And if there's a change needed, we have to understand that and be kind of committed at the very least of being committed that a change is needed yeah. i think it's also like in my particular situation i'm gonna backtrack to <clears throat> what was claimed happening 16 years ago mm-hmm. and what is happening now like actively now at city hall yeah where's the indignation with what's happening now I think that's a great point. And I'm happy you brought that up because that's a lot of what my concern was with the protest at, at City Hall was like, this is what we're angry about is the fact that how they write. They've been writing about black people bad forever. Like they did the same thing to me and Angela over the summer. They tried to pit us up against the NAACP. They pulled stuff off our Facebook. This has been going on forever with the with the uh, City Hall. As a matter of fact, when we had Kyle Kaminsky and Bro Schwartz on our show to tell them they were pieces of junk because they did something to find a brewer uh, they had did something to Darrell Slaughter. I tried to get Darrell Slaughter to come on the show, and he turned it down. And then you all show up at you know City Pauls to to. So this this is one of those things that, um, yeah, I don't know. That's just uh, it's not new. Their behavior is not new. It goes back well, to the point, not, and it's not just the City Pauls. I mean, the people who are rising up in reaction to yeah, yeah. certain. Th- I mean, we've seen no reaction out of these people. There's no reaction we had when it comes to yeah. keeping that the same energy when it comes. Well, it's to like the picture hours. that I talk about that I posted. Everybody's mad at me for posting the picture because it shined this person in a bad light because I posted it on my Facebook. I didn't shine that person in a bad light. The person that they stood with is what shined them in a bad them. light. You decided to stand in that picture with that person and you got put on Facebook and now people see that you stood with that person who we are all saying is harmful. That's your problem. But the, the, I feel like harmful. the masses who've gotten vocal about it 
you didn't get vocal about the fact that that man did the stuff that he's done to our city and has us in this position we in that's where that's where it's confusing to me like i'm easier to throw on on the on the on the stake or on the cross than the person who's doing the harm like all i said was hey somebody's doing harm here and somebody's standing with them and they're like up oh, get him string him up are you serious this is where we at today the person who tells you that somebody's doing wrong is the person you go after, not the person who's doing the wrong. That's crazy to me, but you know, it is what it is. I like, again, I say with that situation, but not everybody. That's why I spoke earlier about the private support. Sometimes that, Oh, I got, uh, like, yeah, for sure. People were upset. And you know, the funny thing about it is I had more white folks calling me to tell me about how that was, you know, that, that's, that, that was that was harmful it's harmful they understand that that's harmful to the black community to stand up with that man and act like everything's okay like how is it that our that, that white folks understand this better than our own people however the, that though you those aren't the people that propaganda is looking for no. pander he's looking for people that look like me and you yeah so that's absolutely. what's the yeah i was just gonna say that joy literally killing the messenger is not it's new. nothing new it's a human inherent trait it's the a fact behavior. that it matter is joy though i ain't afraid to die I know I'm landing on. I know I'm. I know that this show is not making people happy. I'm. We are. I I did a post too that like right that same day that was talking about that, and um. I understand that we're breaking up systems that have been in place forever. It's gonna be and no, and there's gonna be people who are benefiting from that system, black, white, and everything else that are gonna be like they're gonna gonna try to bring you down, and they're gonna try to do whatever they can to silence you. This has happened to everybody who's come out and, and talked on their things or whatever or, or bringing yeah. attention to things that people are, are gaining from so in killing the messenger i say it's an inherent an inherent human trait because killing the messenger is something that insulates us all killing the messenger allows people to keep their head in the sand you know Appreciate so that that's you. something that's just an inherent human trait we, it allows people to not face the issues if they're not ready to face those in a formidable way so yeah. i understand that and we get it but it still doesn't feel great <laughs> Ooh, yeah That's good comments good yeah and i wanted to uplift um kelsey's comment from earlier because i really appreciated that she Which said one? also unlearning is so much harder than learning I but we to, don't i don't I think like, we yeah. give room for that though i think that's why she was saying that we have to give space for that and understand i wanted to kind of uplift that um and then also because i always ask this before we go because we've only got like five minutes i guess we went an hour over <laughs> i <Yeah>. guess <laughs> this conversation um, was was too much to just get into the two hour out. normal yeah. show but before we go we always want you all to have the opportunity to talk to the people and to just talk to them about you know kind of your platform and uh, why they should vote for you oh um well i'm not going to give you an elevator speech because that's not my style um so for me i am tired of a rudderless ship I'm really tired of not having direction in the city, of not having a leader. I mean, we, I think I said this, and I, I couldn't believe I said it out loud at the debate, but we have a strong mayor system, and we don't have a strong mayor. Yeah. Like, that's part of the problem right now, is that there are other interests that are, that are controlling all of the strings, and, and we don't have anybody that's standing up um, to do better. And, and, and I, again, I'm, I'm a mom. I've raised four kids in the city. Um, I run a nonprofit. I'm connected to people. 
through my kids, through my nonprofit, through council. It is the one joy that I have out of holding both. People said to me when I first got elected, it's a conflict of interest that you run this nonprofit and that you're, you're on the city council. And I was like, why? Hmm. Like at the time that I was elected and, and for years before that, most of the people on the city council were retired. They were older. They did this as a side gig in retirement. This wasn't like something that they did in conjunction with or in addition to a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And and then it started to change after I got in there. And so, I mean, that's important to me because a bunch of retired folks that can live on what city council pays mm-hmm. um, is not going to be representative of what of what people are struggling with in the city. And so I feel like for for my perspective, my grassroots perspective, my day-to-day interactions with folks who, again, probably don't vote. And I don't care because my job is to make their lives better in my nonprofit world and at council and even more so in the mayor's office. And I really look forward to having an opportunity to to really shift the culture down there, to mm. change the way. Somebody asked me earlier, what's the most important quality in a mayor? And I said, empathy. Mm. Mm-hmm. I said, empathy. And it's not the it's not the word that comes to mind. A lot of people think, you know, legislative experience Mm-mm. or budgetary. You learn that as you go. I'm very tight with the budget. I'm, 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 I'm always about the budget. But I didn't know any of that when I came into council. But I came in with a heart, right? And Claretta had posted something on her page. Somebody was dogging her saying, but what? What two million dollar you know business have you ever run? What and I jumped on there and I said, you don't need to know anything about the budget. You will learn as you go. Mm-hmm. But if you come in with the heart to do the right thing, all that stuff falls into place. Right. All Absolutely. that falls into place. So I would like the opportunity to have that mayor's office to be able to open those doors to those who need our help the most to put money in the budget where it will do the most good and to truly feel what people are feeling in the city and right. to and to let them be heard absolutely in the in in the future so, so. i do want to ask one quick question for you lady cuz tamrose kept coming in with this about our city attorney she, she ex- loves a good spreadsheet yeah <laughs> yes i do uh, formulas and everything. Tam Rose kept asking about the city attorney, and I think multiple others were like, "City attorney, city attorney issue, mm. city attorney issue." About the influence that yeah, he seems to the have. influence that he seems to have on everything going on down there. I mean, can you comment on that? I don't know if you can, but but with ethics and all of that. But um, what would you do differently with how the city attorney moves right now? Because the city attorney is there to protect the city, you know, his interests, right? But in the in the in the process of protecting the city's interests, there's people like Tam Rose who are just thrown you know, to the wolves, me who are thrown to the wolves or devised plans of getting rid of us, things like that that are coming out of the city attorney's office. So like, what would you do uh, to to change that relationship with the city attorney and and you if you're made mayor? So there's a there's a phrase that was bounced around years ago. Um, The city attorney definitely represents the council and the mayor. Mm but they probably take more direction from the mayor, mm. right? And and the city attorney's job is to uh, keep us straight, but there, there have been folks in the mayor's office who have said, 
find the way to make this work. Work within the law, but this is our end goal. Find the way to make this work. Mm -hmm. Don't tell us what can't be done like that. I mean, if you were a corporate attorney, if you were a, 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 of counsel to a major corporation, <laughs> the directors at the corporation aren't sitting there going, oh, okay, can't do that, can't mm -hmm. do that. They're like, find the legal way to make this happen. Now, I'm not saying that we're going outside of, again, legal. we're saying law. Where there's a will, there's but a way. But where there's a will, you will find a way to make things happen. It's just what's mm -hmm. the will. So what's the will? So that's that's the only thing mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to comment on that. Right. So you changed the will. Yeah. Yeah. You changed like the you changed the the end go the end game instead of saying find the way to get rid of Mike Lynn, however you got to do it. You say find the way to stop the racism in this place or do this type. Of, yeah. So I get what you're saying. You have to change what the end game is. And so if you have a mayor in there whose end game is always something, you know, that's not not within the realm we want it to be in, then you're going to always have the end have goal is always going to be in a certain realm, then we're always going to get the same result. So like Zerka, that's not Zerka, is that his name? Why do I, why didn't it? Jim. Jim, yeah, Jim Smirka, Smirka. Smirka <laughs> is just a device or a tool that's being used in the wrong way right now. I'm saying that. You don't have to say that. I'm not saying that. I'm yeah. saying that too, just yeah. to be clear. <laughs> so anyways, uh, thank you. She says, as long as the people can be heard is when things can change. Yeah. Your point too. So thank yeah. you, Kathy, for coming I'm on. Put it up there. Thank you, KathyDunbar.com. Yep. I oh, always yeah, make sure to put everyone's screen. website yeah. or their Facebook, whichever. But you have a website if they don't. So yeah, yeah it's there for y'all. So it's gonna be yeah. interesting race. Uh, I guess my question real quick before we go: Who's who do you want to take your seat, or who are you looking at right now to take your seat? I love Claretta. Yeah. 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 So do I. Goals, like goals, values, mission aligned. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Who, who goes I don't see anybody else in the running that I would that I would want that to have that seat more than Claretta. And then for Peter's seat, I can't figure out anybody that I wouldn't want. We're going to continue our research I don't on want that. Peter to have it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like anybody but that. So like, do we know there's this ticket of like Andy, Peter, uh, most likely? I don't know who the second. Probably Jeff Brown. Uh, is that that little sense. ticket right there? And then Jeremy world. Garza, obviously, for second ward. That's the whole anti ticket. Just so y'all know, if you vote for yeah, any of those, you guys like... are voting for anti ticket. Yeah, that's just it. That's so, it, but... anyways, yeah. uh, thank you for coming on the show. I think thank we got you, a lot fam. out after the primary. Hopefully we want to bring you back hour. and have conversation. Yeah, uh, we've told that, yeah, you know how it goes. No matter how it goes, I'd like to have you back. Yeah, on. we want to have everybody back on, regardless. That's yeah. you important. know, I really, I really live for the platform where we can have a discussion around the table with multiple candidates in in a format where there's responses allowed. Like I was, mm. I was very disappointed in the debate. Oh, Fox Party. We all were trash that you debate. Know, can we keep I mean, doing this debate? It was, it was a forum. It yeah. was a candidate forum. Nobody, we weren't asked the same questions. We weren't allowed to rebut. Um, is nobody going to do that? Are they just waiting for the primary? We're trying to. to. Just, just to let y'all know, we're trying to. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would love that. I, because I we, it. there were so many times when I would have wanted to. We were given these little flags, right? And you could, but we were told very specifically at the beginning, you can only try to rebut if somebody calls you out specifically. specifically. Like mm. if they, if they insult you or say something untrue about you. But if you just said something generally untrue, I can't point we that out. weren't allowed to point that out. Andy did a lot of lying on that. Yeah, literally. Yeah, just he did a lot of lying. lying on that. I mean, I just don't know how you guys held composure. And I just slapped the table and said, wait a minute. Yeah. What do you It was bad. And the NAACP's forum was even worse. I mean, there was a lot of lying that went on on that forum. And I think you had to leave early. 
you had a medical emergency or something. That no, happened. no, that was ENL. I was through the NWCP, okay. but I was the first one to yeah, answer every single thing. time. They didn't yeah. alter that. That was terrible. The structures sometimes just don't make for us to really get a good formidable um, idea of answers or good discord or conversation or any of that. So I have not. We wouldn't get Andy on this show, so you wouldn't be able to debate. And like past the primary, we wouldn't get him on here. So that's not going to be it. There's not going to be a debatable uh, a way to do a debate with us because he won't come on. But. Um, I'm hoping that they do set up some in-person debates where you guys can go at it because I think it's going to be very, very important for people to be able to rebut the things that he says because he's, he's, I mean, he's the king of lying. And I just yeah. don't know. Nobody's doing real-time fact-checking. No, So no. we're not going to do and, that. And if people don't know any better, <laughs> they'll just hear it and say, oh, he's doing everything he's supposed to. Just like the little card I got in the mail that said, mm-hmm. if you want somebody with vision, you got to pick me, which is the most biggest lie terrible. I've ever heard in my life. That but. was my first tagline. <laughs> on yeah. mine like oh, we need gosh. vision we need vision yeah like, what are people saying bad you, about me yeah but you know another thing that that i found interesting about um andy's lit is it reads like a first-time candidate oh yeah and you've says, done four it, years my guy yeah it's, it's like uh, we believe in strong neighborhoods we believe in this we believe in okay but what? and i'm like what did you do yeah what have you done yeah, I didn't. It was. I can't ridiculous. wait till the flyers come out and tell the truth about what's going on in Lansing. This is why I, I, I'm so proud of Farhan and Coretta jumping in this race, and it's because it, it is like they're just normal citizens. They're not looking for the 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 the, the ladder up or anything like that. They intimately know. But the what is so important, especially and with Oprah as well, those three. What is so important is they are knocking the hell out of doors with this information. So no matter how many flyers get there, you got somebody in your face telling you that's a lie. That's Voter not education. true voter education so their impact on this election whether or not they get past primary or not is going to be so yeah. impactful it's like no, there's no there's no amount of um there's no amount of like a scale to measure you know how important their their campaign yeah. has been over the last two months and i think those three running just in my opinion the impact on our political landscape will be seen for a long oh, time sure. and i'm just so it's not the first time it's happened though like you know? people, regular citizens have stepped up and done this thing too before that's but I think how in, you got in yeah. you were just a regular citizen i think it's the moment we're in though and you knocked all the doors with your birkenstocks on <laughs> like you always talk about so you know that's that's that 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 education i think somebody in your face and not just a flyer because i'm telling you when i get them cardboard flyers in my mail if it hadn't been andy's i would have just and the only reason i looked at it is because i seen his face on it so I was like this dude had a lot of audacity to send this yeah. to our house I don't they know he knows he's sending it to my house, but um, it usually just gets crumpled yeah. up and thrown in I'm the like, trash before bird. I even look at it. Like I remember Slotkin was sending out ones that were like this big, and it was like filling up my whole, my whole, and I was getting like two or three of them a week, like, no, and I was like, "Yo, so chill, I don't need all of that." And so, yeah. But anyways, thank you for coming on. Is there anything lastly you want to say um, about the interview or anything else going on? No, I appreciate it. Um, anybody wants to come to the farmer's market i'm still running the nonprofit. so if yeah. you need fresh fruits and vegetables and you know folks that use ebt that can be doubled up um double up food bucks is a big way for us to to get folks who are on limited means mm-hmm. uh, to stretch their food dollars it's every nice. thursday at our office which is 800 west barnes the old saint casimir school parking lot um thursdays from three to seven like nice. I, no. that's where I'm at. I'm like, yeah, I could promote politics, but I'd really rather Warp feed people. Really I think it, I think it says it's something, though. It. It's like, I think it says something, though. I think that this is where we are as a, as a community, and I'm just hoping that 
you know, the people see through the BS down there and vote appropriately. You know, however they vote, vote appropriately is all I can say. So cool. Yeah. Thanks for oh, having me. So and Emily came in and said vaccinations this Thursday also. So if you come this Thursday, you oh, yeah, get free farmers market and all that and free vaccinations. Woo-hoo. Yeah, health so. department will be there cool. set up. Awesome. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks, fam, for tuning in. Yeah, thank y'all for tuning in. This will be live on our podcast tomorrow. You guys can watch it there. Uh, we're working on, so before I go, I need to tell you guys, I have been working to get Mr. Party on the show. I spoke to Mr. Party last night, actually, and he said he agreed to come on the show. I don't want to promote it heavy until I get him on because Mr. Party is a busy man. So I just want to make sure that I can have him here. I'm going to contact him tomorrow and make sure but he'll be on here Wednesday, 8 o'clock, because also Wednesday is Erica's birthday. Yay! <laughs> Erica's birthday is a Wednesday, so... So if y'all know Mr. Party, urge him that it would be really cool because he's Mr. Party, Party was at my on my birthday. Party. Yeah. Oh, oh awesome. yeah. Yeah, Mr. Party's Mr. been around. Mr. Party's been around. I would love it. Around. That would he be loves. awesome, y'all. Yeah, so I'm going to try to get Mr. Party here on Wednesday for Erica's birthday. I'm working really hard at it. Like I said yesterday, he told me he'd come on and ask me for the address. But this is the concerning part. He's like, what's the address? Where's it at? Yada, yada, yada. And I told him, he didn't write it down. But I'm sure Mr. Party probably has like some genius mind, like of, of remembering thing. Yeah, it's like, I'm in there. It's in there. I got it already. And he said, what time to be there? I told him and everything else. So we'll follow up. I'm gonna follow up with him anyways, because I like confirmation. Like, yes, I'll be there. Then I can throw out the promotion. But hopefully we'll have him on here Wednesday. It's Erica's birthday. She'll be 29? Yep. 29 we're gonna go with old. that. Yep. Except we've been together since we were 17, so that would be <laughs> that would be terrible. But uh, anyways, love y'all. Ten, Again, you can check this out on months. our podcast, uh, you know, just regular podcast on Apple Music and Spotify and Captivate. So you guys can catch it there and I'll post it. So uh, let's take a screenshot real quick while we got this up and I don't have to do a lot of craziness. Yeah, because we always forget and do it after. All right, ready? One, two, three. Look up at the camera up there. Oh. One, oh, two, three. Yeah. Can I get it? No, hold on. There it is. All right, ready? One, oh, two, three. <laughs> you guys got to see yeah. our, our screenshot. We now. always I forget. look like a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. So Hope to y'all. talk to you and not about y'all. Peace out. Love. Bye.